October 31st, 2017. My name is Kellen Conley, and ladies and gentlemen, this is Hyphen Nation, the world's greatest podcast. Now, first off, shout out to Michael Lamarick for shouting me out on the last It's Like a Podcast or whatever, episode 20, about how I don't segue, I just say next topic. So shout out to Lamb. He's going to be on the show soon. Shout out to Alapau doing their thing. Handsome, handsome Bane and Everyday Rogue um, doing their thing. Shout out to everybody who's been working hard, harder than me, to provide content every week for the Python Podcast Group. Gary Wolf, Anthony Sellers, Eric Jordan. Got a lot of content, man. Hyphen, hyphenpodcast.wordpress.com and you'll find hyphen yeah, hyphenpodcastgroup.wordpress.com. You can find it all right there. Now, I decided after if you've watched any of my hyphen nation vlogs, there's only been a couple on my YouTube channel. YouTube channel is just be hyphen. I don't even think I have a clever name. I probably should get on that. Anyway, I had tweeted out while listening to the bar exam four and no bar exam three and the bar exam four. I had tweeted that Royce to five nine was in my top. If I didn't say three top five MCs ever. Don't at me. Which is cool. But here's the thing. I've never really made a top 20 list. I had plans at one time to do this with Shiv for Hip Hop Manifesto. And it never manifested. <laughs> the show's over. It don't get no better than that. And... I decided it was time. So I did a prelude to Hyphenation 38 two to three weeks ago, thinking I would have the time to just throw this together all haphazardly. Well, this ain't been no haphazard process. I have vetted. I have vetted. I'm going to move it really fast so that you don't just read this and like don't listen to the rest of the episode. And obviously, if you're listening at home, you can't read this. Ha 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 ha. Because I am on the video. Uh, I have vetted 20 MCs who I consider to be the greatest of all time. As well as 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11 MCs. Well, I've vetted as being honorable mentions. So 31 MCs, 31 flavors of MCs to bring you this 
episode. Now, I have spent hours on end debating. I have fought with myself constantly. I've rearranged this list. I've People have appeared on this final list who were not there in the beginning, who I said at first did not deserve to be on the list. I have done my work. So without further ado, this is my greatest MCs of all time. But Kellen, how can you do the greatest MCs of all time? Because I got stripes, bruh. But seriously, I base this off of their best works, their worst works, popularity, album sales, impact on the culture, lyrics, obviously. Lyrics is huge. Innovation. There, there's so many different factors. I, I don't have an actual formula, but there were so many things that went through my mind. And this is going to be part one. Now, when you listen to Hyphenation 38, it's going to be one whole episode. So I suggest you watch the videos and then listen to Hyphenation 38 because I'm doing part one today on October 31st. And then I will follow back up more than likely on Thursday, November the 2nd. With the rest of the list. Now. People are pulling in next to me. Because I am in the whip. Probably like. What's this crazy man doing? Podcasting bro. World's greatest podcast. Since 2016. Anyway. First honorable mention. Kendrick Lamar. Now. 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 Now y'all are probably going to be like. Kendrick Lamar, nah, bro, nah. Kendrick, Kendrick, like Kendrick's only been out for seven, nine years, and you're putting him in honorable mentions. I re-listened to Damn several times during this process, and I thought he might sneak in. I thought he had a chance to sneak in. Shout out to this garbage truck behind me. I was really considering, like, man, I should just go ahead and put Kendrick in here. Because if you think about his peers, Drake, Wale, J. Cole, and that's his peers for me. <laughs> I'm such a hater. If you think about those MCs, throw Cuddy out there if you want, if you're into Cuddy still. If you think about those MCs, this guy is dressed like a hamburger. And I can't flip my camera. Damn. Can I take a picture? Probably not. I'm not going to mess up my audio. This gentleman is dressed like a hamburger. Happy Halloween. If you take Kendrick and put him with his peers. He's better than all of them. Cole comes the closest. But he is a better rapper than all. All of them put together. Well, not all of them put together, but all three of them. All three of them. Cole, Drake, and Wale. None of them will appear on the list. I didn't consider any of them. And y'all know how I feel about Drizzy and J. Cole and Wale. What Kendrick has been able to do 
and the time that he's been out is phenomenal. He's put out three major label albums, all three radically different from the other. The first album was a story of a day in his life as a youngster on the streets of Compton. The second one was a story of a poem that he was writing that he read to Tupac. And throughout the poem, he performed songs based off his lyrics as he's reading this poem to Tupac right before Tupac dies before his eyes. Now, the most recent album, you can listen to Damn and be like, that was cool. I don't, I, I don't see the overarching theme. Damn can be listened to backwards. Think about that. In 2017, the newest rapper in the game may have just put out one of the, at least in recent memory, he put out the first backwards hip hop album. I would, I would not say that there hasn't been somebody out there, Def Jux or, or one of those indie rappers who might have done this before. And then people were probably like, oh, well, Kendrick just bit that from MF Doomstop. That's messed up. <laughs> but uh, I'm just saying, Kendrick's body of work and the way he raps at a high level and the fact that he is the best rapper in the game right now, hands down, who is relevant, he has to be honorable mention. Missy Elliott is honorable mention. I went back and forth on this one on whether to include a female MC. I could not ha have a female MC break the top 20. I tried to see if I could get Lauren in there. I even considered Kim. And I obviously considered Missy. Now, y'all are going to say, well, Missy sings hooks and do 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 Go back to the first album. Um, it, what was the first album? I can't. I'm I'm drawing a blank. So, I don't I don't think it was called Superfly. It might have been called Superfly. Go back to the first album. Missy rapped the majority of the album. The second album, which was the Real World, which is when she came out with She's a Bitch and Hot Boys. The third album, Missy's so addictive. Get your freak on. One Minute Man. Hits upon hits upon hits of Missy spitting. And then you wrap that all up with Under Construction in 2003, where she dropped Work It, as well as so several other big singles. Now, after that, her career started to taper off. But for that period in 1997 to 2002, Missy Elliott was the best female MC. There was nobody coming close. You can be like, well, Kim dropped hardcore. Yes, Kim did drop hardcore. But Kim also dropped hardcore and Notorious K.I.M. and that third album in this time frame. And if you put Kim versus Missy, I'm taking Missy. I'm taking Missy. And you could say Foxy dropped her best effort uh, with that album that came out like 2001. The one that had the reggae single on it. And... Bang Bang with uh, Capone Noriega was on the joint. 
Or was she on Bang Bang with Capone and Aurelia? I can't remember if you're vice versa. Kim dropped one of arguably her most best verse, her most best verse. On the Quiet Storm remix in 1999. I'm still taking Missy. No female in the game did was as lyrical and as innovative and as constantly dope and what's the word? Um, double takes. I, I call it double takes. Like when has she had she had rewindability is what I want to say. When you're listening to a rapper, a real dope MC, and you hear him say a lot of, "Oh man, what he say? Run that back." Missy has that. Kim had it, but Missy had it more. And Missy's songwriting ability trumps all the other ones because Kim is infamous for having ghostwriters. I know she wrote uh, a good bit of her stuff, but Missy literally was putting pen to pad for years. That was all Missy. Missy was one of the hottest rappers in the game. Not just females. She was one of the biggest artists in rap. There's no denying that. And arguably, Missy was the best part about Katy Perry's Super Bowl performance other than Love Shark. Busta Rhymes! That, that's kind of a no-brainer. Um, from Leaders of the New School all the way up to The Big Bang in 2006. And then, uh, I mean, he's just constantly been the loudest, brashest, most animated MC in history. But at the same time, the lyrics have always been sick. There's never been a moment you can't listen to Busta. This is how relevant Busta was. There is a little girl, there was a little white girl. Her and her boyfriend decided to cover his Look At Me Now verse. Or cover Look At Me Now. She spit his verse so well it got so many views on YouTube that her and her boyfriend her and their group, Carmen, was able to get a record deal and put out two albums because they were spitting Buster Rhymes. Because trust me, they weren't, nobody was paying attention to that girl. Well, I can't think of her name, and I'm sorry, because I think Carmen's a dope group. And they're actually doing this kind of uh, hip-hop, uh, R&B kind of thing now. I, I can't remember if they still go by Carmen. I think they might even change their name. So they're experimenting now. But... Busta stole the show even then. And forgive me, I can't remember when Look At Me Now came out. I feel like it's like 2011. But to still be doing that in 2011 and then to look back and see what he did on the Scenario remix and everything in between, station level event, the coming... Busta is one of the most underrated and underappreciated MCs, but I can put him in the top 20. Ghostface Killer. Um, essentially here, Ghost, I go back and forth on my favorite member to woo. And at one point, Ghost was in the top 20, but then I, I pulled back on that. Ghost is the inventor of his own language. He 
Look, I'm not even in the top 20 yet. It's been 15 minutes. <laughs> Ghost is his own inventor. He's invented his own language through hip hop. He says things that make are nonsensical, but then when you put together the whole verse, you understand what's going on. He's one of the best storytellers in hip hop history. Some of the most vivid pictures have come out of his mouth, even as he's saying nonsensical rhymes. He's one of the most colorful and uh, stylish MCs on this list. Such a trendsetter as many of the Wu-Tang was. Now there's white people walking by and they're looking at me. <laughs> and they're like, what's, what's he doing? What's he doing? Just filming the world's greatest podcast, no problem. So, I love Ghostface. Supreme clientele, um, fish and chips. Is that the album? Because I know there's more fish. Um, was it fish and chips? I don't feel like that's the right title. The ti- the album that uh, that Kilo was on, I don't think it was called Fish and Chips. Man, that makes me mad. I love that album. Uh, of course, uh, the debut Iron Man. Tony Starks is definitely someone I wish I could have had on this list. Royce the 5'9 did not make the top 20, ladies and gentlemen. And I tried. I tried to be like, you know, just go put Royce here at five and be okay with it. But I, I wasn't okay with it because as much as I love Royce, and believe me, I do love Royce. Um, you know, it's just it's it's just hard to put him as high as I wanted to rank him. He's another one like Buster Rhymes that's criminally underrated. His bars, especially now that I think he's gotten sober because his his drunk bars, the Patron the Patron in the Booth years, which essentially was bar exam one through uh Life is Certain, I think, and the first couple Slaughterhouse albums. The Patron in the Booth years were phenomenal for Royce. I mean, he was he was able to go to a level and just say some punchlines and some amazing lyrics that just had you floored. Like, I can't believe he just said that. Right? <laughs> and he still does that for me. He said once he got sober a few years ago that he had to relearn how to rap because the alcohol had become such a crutch for him that he wasn't able to just jump right back in. Listening to Prime and Trust the Shooter and Levels and the Bar Exam 4, I'm a fan. Uh, <laughs> you can tell that for the first time in years, Royce is is writing on a sober level, but then also just the way that he, he, he delivers his lyrics now and the thought process that goes into him. Him getting sober was not only great for his life, but it was also great for his music. Hands down. I, I would probably put Royce against anybody, any of this 20 right here. And I'd say Royce has a 50-50 shot against any of them. Jada Kiss. 
Jada Moah. How can I leave Jada off, man? Like Jada, like Royce, is and like Missy has rewindability. You you hear the joint, you hear him say something like, "Yo, what did Jada say?" I used to bump blood pressure so hard off that Rough Riders Volume One. The headphones is on fire this time, Styles. My blood pressure's building. Who really the best rapper since Big ain't here? Y'all know the answer to that. When kissing, I'm sorry. Um, Jada is a powerhouse. The thing that hurts Jada is he could never make great songs. He can make good songs, but he never made great songs. The Locks have made great songs together. He's been on great songs featured. He's been featured on great songs like Bad from TV. But he's never been a great songwriter. And that, and that hurts him. If you're going bar for bar. And this is one of the reasons I left Fab out. Because Fab is actually has better songs than Jada. But I, I left Fab out as much as I love Fab. Out of honorable mentions. like I feel like Jada or Fab. Jada. <laughs> and that's it. So, J Jada just, like, uh, oh, something I forgot to mention about Royce, and Jada does this for me, too. Jada makes me, or Jada makes me want to rap. I listen to Nas, Eminem, Jay, and be like, oh, man, they're so dope, and I really like this lyric, and this, this, and that. I, I'm too much of a fan to enjoy to like yeah sometimes i feel inspired by their music there's been times in my life that i've been inspired to i, I, I want to write because i listen to the blueprint or to stillmatic yada 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 but when i listen to a jada or a royce verse i'm ready i'm ready I, i'm like yo they're on a beat let's do some bars they both embody hip-hop to the fullest and so does this next man i'm just gonna lump into here which is styles p styles p might Mm. Styles P is better than Jada, in my opinion. While Jada has the bars and the punchlines and the catchy ad lib, the 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 truth in Styles' bars is just too much to deny. Styles has always spit the truth, but starting with 2001's Gangsta and a Gentleman, on up through his own solo catalog and his work with the Locks and D Block and his appear his uh, guest appearances. Styles again is another one makes me want to rap, but the thing with Styles is like he'll say some some shit and you'll be like, oh man, that was dope. But then you go back and listen to it, be like, yo, but he also meant this, that, and this, and that's something that a lot of MCs don't have because they act like they don't know. Spoilers. <laughs> um. So Styles, Jada. Royce, all honorable mention. Black Thought. Now, I did not include him in my top 20. I'm in a couple Facebook groups where Black Thought is king. King Black Thought. King Black Thought. Like King Ezekiel, if you watch The Walking Dead. King Black Thought. Black Thought will write. He could do this and he is so phenomenal. When he said this on The Roots Come Alive and on phrenology, that shit changed my life. And you're right. Also, 
Black Thought was on Big Puns, Capital Punishment, one of, uh, I think there's maybe, there were, uh, let's say eight MCs that was on that album. And the thing is with that, he went toe-to-toe with Pun. I don't think Pun got him. On like the other tracks in the album, you listen to it and be like, all right, well, they were good, but Pun was obviously better. I thought I held his own, man, and that's huge because Pun's in the 20. Spoiler. Um, the thing that hurts thought, I had to do it, and I'm a hypocrite because Andre's in the top 20 and thought's not. Big Boy's not. And Big Boy's not even honorable mention. I love Big Boy. The thing is, Thought was in a group. He's he's very versatile. He was the main guy in the Roots. He did all the verses. You may as well call the Roots albums solo albums. But I, I just cannot see myself putting him in over anybody in the top 20. And one of them, y'all gonna be real mad at me about. <laughs> I don't care. I don't care. The thing is, as great as Black Thought has been his whole career, I feel like he never wanted to be better. He got he, He's been at such an elite level for so long I feel like he's comfortable. And that's ultimately why he's not in the top 20 for me. Most Def and Talib Kweli are a black star. Now, Most Def would definitely be in the top 20 if not for the fact that he's dropped, I'm going to say, four solo albums, maybe five. I don't know if that last one came out. He experimented a lot on a new danger in 2004. Um, and then his career has continued to uh, be an experiment. Obviously, he's one of the best rappers out. Um, Black Star's proof of that. Black on both sides is both of that. Is proof of that. But the thing is, most has spent more time away from rapping, whether that be acting or whether that just be not being able to get in the country or just taking up activism, taking up activism, being an activist. And I, I just can't put, uh, I can't put thought in there. I mean, I thought I just talked about thought. I can't put most in there and same with Quali. Quali was one of my favorite MCs. There was a period from 2002 until 2008 where he could do no wrong. I mentioned on this podcast or somewhere else that I met Quali before and I was dumbstruck because I did not know what to say because I was so because I was such a fan of this man. Quali is hurt mostly. And he, he's closest. I'd say of anybody on this list, he's probably 21 or 22. Because Talib is just pure dope. You uh, you can't leave out his work with uh, uh, Reflection Eternal. He He's such an MC's MC. But for some reason, over the past few years, 
I just don't get that same feeling. And it's not like he's changed his content. It's just maybe I outgrew it or whatever. Or maybe that's just not my vibe. Like I was just listening to Eardrum when I was in D.C. a few weekends ago. And I still love Eardrum. But then I listened to that project he did with Ninth Wonder. And I was like, meh. He just doesn't move me like that anymore. And I'm not sure why. And that makes me sad. Last on the honorable mention list. Then we get the business. We probably won't get the business next video. Because we almost had 30 minutes already. Uh, Raekwon the chef. Raekwon was in the top 20. He was a final omission. Ghostface and Black Thought and Talib <laughs> and Raekwon um, Royce and Jada and everybody that's on my honorable mention list is going to be mad if one of these guys is in here. One of the MCs I picked. Raekwon Chef. Debut album classic. And mobility, not so much. Lex Diamond story, okay. But the thing is, you take it at face value. It's like, yeah, sure, these, these albums are just, they're okay. They're not Cuban links. You can't have, it's so hard to have a classic album. Not even a classic album. He defined the mafioso genre of rap in 1995. Nobody was talking about anything like him until he him and Ghostface and the Wu made only built for Cuban Links. So a lot of what you heard on it was written wouldn't be possible without this album. A lot of what you heard from Biggie on Life After Death and Junior Mafia's album wouldn't have been possible. They he influenced so much with his raps. And his style. And then he came back and did it again. And made damn near another classic. When he did the sequel for Only Built for Cuban Links. But the thing is with Raekwon. While the albums he put out in between his classics. Aren't. These huge. Are, are, are like you. Like they, they don't get critical acclaim. Raekwon, just like Ghostface, paints such a vivid picture about everything. And his cadence and his voice and his delivery, it just it just sucks you in. And you just get lost, man. He's one of those MCs that just you can lose yourself in his ROMs because he's so talented. But I had to take him off the list. And it hurt me. I did not want to take him off the list. But I realized there's somebody I like just a, a little bit more. A little bit more. As, as much as I fought to not include this guy in the top 20. All right, kids. Moment you've all been waiting for. This episode of Hyphenation is sponsored by Brisk half and half, half iced tea, half lemonade. Not as good as Arnold Palmer, but it is only a dollar nine cents at my local Circle K.
top 20 MCs of all time. And in hindsight, I probably should flip the camera, but I don't care. I don't care. <sighs> Number 20. Method Man. Now, if you listen to the Prelude to Episode 38, which you should have and watched, well, watched it on my YouTube channel, which is now called Hyphen Universe. So subscribe and like this video and all the things. Share it. Uh, wear it. <laughs> I said I didn't want Method Man in my top 10, 20 because I was certain that I would be putting Raekwon or Ghostface in my top 20. My reasoning for that was because Method Man's albums have not been classics. I think Takao is a classic. But then when you get into Takao 2000, Judgment Day, or the third album, was that Takao Zero, the prequel, I think, in like 2003... Uh, and then even going into 420 the day after Meth has never had a great album so Hyphen how can he be on the top 20 if he's never had a great album I love Meth man I love Meth and I, I saw a little of his new show on TBS Drop the Mic uh, when I went home to my dad's this weekend and it's not bad. It's a, it's a fun show in the um, lip sync battle vein. But while it, it, that's cool and all, you know, it, it's meth collecting a check. Same with Snoop Dogg on his Joker's Wild show. But meth is meth is a complete package, man. He really is. Uh, lyrics. Charisma, style. He had one of the most iconic introductions into hip hop, and if you're that's if you're excluding Protect Your Neck. But he's the only artist on, and don't quote me on this. Enter the Thirty Six Chambers, or I'm sorry, Enter the Wu Tang Thirty Six Chambers. He's the only artist that has. A solo song. Of course, the iconic M-E-T-H-O-D, man. Meth. Meth can go with anybody that was in, that was left out in honorable mentions. And I want to mention something about that. Because <laughs> uh, uh, Showing Mad Love, Marcus had made a, 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 a case for Big Boy from Outkast. Meth is versatile. He can do, he can do the straight rap. He can do the grimy stuff. He can do the pop stuff. Obviously, he has acting chops, which is what he's been doing more of in recent years. But there's no denying the feeling of when you hear that voice hit vinyl, especially for me. As much as I love several members of the Wu Tang, other than Capadonna, who I've never been a big fan of. I love Method Man. 
I couldn't put him above anybody else on this list. And I, I just didn't feel right not including him in the top 20. So Method Man is number 20. Clifford Smith, congratulations. Now back to the big boy argument. He was saying, how did I... I can't remember if the argument was why didn't he make the top 20 or even honorable mentions, big boy from Outcast that is. Just like all the MCs I mentioned in honorable mentions, I love big boy. I love the fact he continues to do it. I just heard a big boy track that he did a few years back, just recently, I thought was banging. One of the most complicated rhymers out there. Um... And yet, so simplistic and clear. Ne- never, I never feel like with Big Boy, he's going over your head. Andre just said in a recent interview that he always thought Big Boy was better than him, which is him putting putting over Big Boy, which is great. He is his group member, his his rom- partner in Rom. <clears throat> but um, in my honorable mentions, I mean, I did I did eleven. He, he's probably top 15 or 20 if I if I wanted to keep doing this list and not finish this until 2018, which I could do. Do you want me to do that, Marcus? Is that what you want? Huh? <laughs> Number 19. Oh, before I say that, he also made a case for missing the top 20. I tried, Marcus. I did. I did. But I couldn't put Missy over anybody in my top 20. I'm an asshole, I guess. I don't know. I didn't I didn't do ladies first in this one. But Missy's the closest. And I'm glad that you agree with me on Missy deserving to be mentioned, at least, in, in your top 20, at least. Or maybe in my top 20. Maybe you don't want to be in Maybe she wouldn't be in your top 20. Number 19. Another Clifford. T.I. T.I.P. I I wanted to include as many regions as possible because hip-hop has has grown beyond the borders now. Like, even 10 years ago, you had your Southern rappers and your East Coast rappers and your West Coast rappers, and you still do have rappers hailing from different regions. But... None of them. Now, I, I don't. I just don't feel like it's as big of a deal anymore. I feel like those those walls have come crashing down. Ti was higher on this list at one time until I made my final edits. Ti, I slept on so hard for so many years. <clears throat> like uh, I didn't like Twenty Fours. I didn't like Rubber Band Man. Because 24 is my first introduction to him in 2003, 2004. I did like Rubber Band Man, Rubber Band Man. And then he dropped Trap Music. Not Trap Music. He dropped Urban Legend. And a lot of the joints in Urban Legends were dope. And one of the things I noticed about Tip was... <clears throat> excuse me. A lot of his stuff uh, that I, I was hearing from T.I.P. As much as I love Bring Him Out and... You don't know me as much as the next guy. One of the things I always loved about Tip was his album cuts. Tip 
as much passion as he puts into a single, I feel like he puts just as much effort into the songs that you listen to in between those songs. And that's something I respect. Because uh, one thing that I have always kind of prided myself on is being an album cuts guy. Some of my favorite Hove tracks are non-singles. Uh, it, let's see, NYP, NYMP, Come and Get Me from Volume 3, um, The Girls, Girls, Girls remix from Blueprint. Even in a 444, I mean, there's no official single, but I love uh, oh, the joint with Frank Ocean on it. Who, the name that it's escaping me right now. I could look it up, but we're not Googling right now. Shut up. T.I.P. really sold me, though, with his 2006 album, which I still hold as his best album, which is King. King was a monster from DJ Toomph with the um what you know about that as well as other tracks and then you take it to the Jamie Foxx feature which is right before Jamie Foxx I mean he had already done the joints with Kanye and stuff uh, I think his album Unpredictable came out in 2006 too so it was right as Jamie Foxx's resurgence in the music was coming because Jamie Foxx did drop a unheard a barely heard album in the 90s called Peep This I'm going to drop my next album. is going to be called Peep This 2. <laughs> Peep This 2, guys. Uh, but the opening the opening song on there is good. I can, I can hear it in my head. The King Back. King Back. Just Blaze had two joints on King. And he made the most of them. And then they have another joint together on T.I. vs. Tip, which I love, too. And if you remember Just Blaze TV from uh, even seven, about seven, eight years ago, there was a studio session with T.I. in the studio where Just Blaze is making the beat. They realize they won't be able to clear the sample. And then Just Blaze has to replay the whole song with instruments to, to clear the sample, essentially. And it's still hella dope. But King Back is super awesome. But then you get to my, one of probably my Top five TI, one of the top five TI joints, which is talking to you, where TI proceeds to break down everybody in the industry who he fucks with, all while dismantling. I guess it would be a little flip. There was speculation it was different people. I don't think he mentioned Luda at the time. Him and Luda did have their little thing back and forth, starting from the Stomp remix on, uh, Young Buck's first album. Was that Buck the World? No, Buck the World the second one. So, T.I. is when, that's when he sold me. Because I heard that song, and I was like, yo, this dude isn't just a southern rapper. He, he doesn't make catchy songs. This guy got bars. Tip is a pit bull. And while he's a pit bull, he also has a presence of mind to keep it hip-hop. And that, and that's something that will be a theme going forward on the rest of this list, is how much do these guys keep it hip-hop as they move throughout their careers? And that's very important to me. Because you can make the best singles ever, but then if I'm listening to the album and you ain't keeping it hip-hop, you ain't keeping it full 100, I ain't with it. And Tips always kept it 100 with me. 
Number 19, T.I. Now, number 18, as I play with my string, sorry. Number 18 was also higher on this list. I actually had him above T.I. at one point. Before I came back to reality. <laughs> now I had T.I. in front of him before I came back to reality. And T.I. in front of somebody else on this list as well. Number 18 would be Calvin Broadus. Snoop Doggy Dog. Snoop almost was higher. And was going to take over another West Coast legend spot on this list until I came to my senses and realized that as great as Snoop was on Chronic and Doggy Style, that Snoop doesn't exist anymore. And that Snoop, Snoop essentially, essentially stopped existing after the uh, attempted the murder charge and everything in 95 in that case. And then we got the Dog Father in 1996, which... Shug was going by then, and it was an underwhelming performance, and it would be Snoop's last album on Death Row. Snoop essentially took Slick Rick style. And there's so many MCs on here that's been birthed by Slick Rick. Ghost has a lot of Slick Rick influences. Um... Just that, that comes to mind. And then I think of the fade to black scene where um, Slick Rick's backstage and gives Ghostface his chain so he can go out and do that uh, summertime remix with Beyonce. Snoop, man, is he, it took him a little bit to get his footing back from Dogfather and then once he went to No Limit. By the time 1999's, I think it was 99, might have been 90, late 98, by the time... No Limit Top Dog came out. Snoop got it. And ever since, we've gotten this version of Snoop. And this version of Snoop, the version that made this list, not only does he have one of the best voices and most recognizable voices on this list, not only has he perfected the sing-songy rhyme schemes and the hooks, but Snoop, when he wants to, when he wants to flip that switch, he's one of the illest MCs out. I just went back and listened to 2016's Kool-Aid and 2017's Never Left. And I contend that Never Left might be in the top 10 of Snoop's best albums. Never Left is a hell of an album. And guess one of my favorite songs of the album, it has features, but... It features a couple guys that's on this list, not be real, but it does have Method Man and Red Man. And when I heard Red Man come on that track, I was so excited. And they killed it. They killed it. But back to Snoop, man. Like, Snoop, there's nobody who has... There will be and never be another Snoop. And I say that, and then maybe 10 years from now, there will be somebody who's from the Snoop vein. There's been off, He's often imitated. But he's never been duplicated. Snoop Dogg is... 
He he is a West Coast legend. He's the reigning king of the West Coast, despite Kendrick's and Gaines' best efforts. Kendrick will eventually take his spot. I'd like to see, I'd like to see Kendrick get a little like say a little bit more West Coasty roots, because if you listen to the three albums of, of Kendrick's, not a whole lot of West Coast influence. Not a whole lot other than the the lyrics and and the scenery he's painting. And he'll eventually overtake Snoop, but Snoop, the king stayed a king. One of my favorite sayings from The Wire. The king stayed a king, and, and Snoop, s- s- having that switch is something that is a gift and a curse to Snoop. Because when Snoop wants to, Snoop will bang out three three sixteen verse bars and a hard-ass hook like he did a couple times on Never Left, and you'll be like, damn! But then you'll hear something like, uh, I don't know, I'm just picking a random song from, uh, uh, let's say, Blue Carpet Treatment, uh, the documentary, that you're like, ah, oh, well, Snoop, I, all right, Snoop, I see what you did there. But I can guarantee you that in his whole catalog, there is not any Snoop album once you get past, okay, but after you get past, uh, the game is to be sold, not to be told. Once you get past that, and obviously Doggy Style is a classic. Snoop just brings it. He knows how to deliver good music. Is it great music all the time? No. <laughs> There's a lot of bad Snoop Dogg songs, but that the good way outweighs the bad. And the fact that he's been able to become this pop culture icon, all while still supporting the 420 movement to the fullest. And he can do shows on MTV with Martha Stewart, and then go do a song with, uh, I can't think of one, like, uh, one of the more, re- on Kool-Aid, I think he had some features with uh, some newer guys. He could still go and do that. He can go do Snoop Lion. Did we love it? No. But we gave it a shot. And then he puts out Bush, one of the most criminally slept on albums of his whole catalog, which is essentially a pop album, a pop funk hybrid made brought to you by Charlie Wilson. Not just Charlie Wilson and Snoop Dogg, but also Pharrell Williams. A whole Snoop album by Pharrell. And nobody really fucked with it. It's, it's dope. The last three Snoop albums have reestablished my faith in Snoop. Number 18, Snoop Dogg. What's over there? I'm looking over there. Snoop Dogg. Number 17. Now this is where everybody on the honorable mention list and Method Man probably have some problems. And Big Boy, I guess. And he wasn't, he wasn't going to be on here. He wasn't. I tried to fight it, man. But there's just no denying what took place starting in the early 2000s with the Squad Up mixtapes. And then with what he was able to accomplish once he started the Drought series. Moving on to the dedication series. 
and then the, the, the sonic changes that took place from the block is hot to lights out to 500 degrees to the Carter. The Wayne Carter is your number 17th MC of all time. I know essentially a Wayne verse now gets boiled down to when's he going to make his pussy reference. Uh, essentially, let, let's just be fair. Um, I know that with the the lean and the smoking and all the output that he had, it has affected where he is now. Little Wayne of the past, Little Wayne since the completion of Carter Four, since he went into prison, is not the same man who was on a tear and was the best rapper alive. And I'll say it from 2000 and late 2005, 2006, when the Carter II came out, up until the day he went to prison in 2010, 2009, whenever that was, the only knock he has against him in that era, besides there being so many leaks and... Uh, so many unfinished things that never got official release, but we got them. Would be Rebirth. And Rebirth didn't even end up being what we thought Rebirth would be. Because Rebirth was supposed to be a rock album. And if you listen to Rebirth now, yeah, there's some rock in it. I still maintain that Wayne never learned to play that damn guitar. He, he cannot play that guitar. But there's some joints on Rebirth that go. And Carter, the Carter was a was the last album where Manny Fresh and Wayne worked together, did some of their best work, including Bring It Back, which is what caught my attention. As when the hell did Wayne learn how to do write a lyric? Cause don't get me wrong, I was a little Wayne fan when the Hot Boys was out. Um I I just I he was probably my favorite, but I knew what I was getting. I was getting a Cash Money album, you know. But then all of a sudden, 2004, he starts coming out with these bars, and then Go DJ goes nuts. I miss my dogs is on that album, uh, and it, it's just to be that good and at such a high level. And to do as much rapping as he did in the space of that time frame. And we're really looking at 2004 to 2008 when the Carter 3 dropped. To have that kind of output build upon it on the Carter 2, which many will say is his best album, is Wayne's classic album. I like Carter 2 a lot, don't get me wrong. I, my favorite Wayne album would be Carter 3, though. Because as great as Carter 2 was, Carter 3 was Wayne at the peak of his powers. Carter 3 saw him go toe-to-toe with Jay-Z. Carter 3 saw him do the concept song with Dr. Carter with Swiss Beats. Carter 3 saw him do a three-minute freestyle with a Millie that spawned hundreds 
of not only industry remixes of it, but also just in rap in general. There is, if there was a rapper that was active in 2008, 2007, 2008, whenever a Millie came out and an instrumental came out, there's not, there's a very small chance they did not attempt a Millie to rap on a Millie at some point. And it's, and people are like, oh, that's not a very good song. Bruh. Just, just listen to the playfulness and the way he threw words together and the different styles. And then to bring in the, to take what T-Pain was doing when T-Pain brought, brought auto-tune to the game. Yeah, <clears throat> I'll say it, auto-tune Wayne was not my favorite at first. But when Wayne was really on it, he killed it, man. He he is probably the second best example of successful auto-tune in hip-hop. Kanye would be the first. I even prefer auto-tune Wayne to his normal verse, voice, most of the time nowadays. And to even drive this point home one more time... Wayne had a joint that he did a video for that I watched not even three months ago. And he's spitting, he's spitting on there, man. He's just going in. I couldn't put him above anybody else in this list. And as hard as it was to put him on the list over the honorable mentions, I just had to do it, man. I, I, as much as I fought against it and said Wayne was trash in my youth, I eventually came over to the to the young money side, so to speak. Wayne, if you want to see the penultimate version of why Little Wayne's on this list, you're on YouTube now. You should be, or you're watching, or you're listening to Hyphen Nation on your podcast listening device. Take the time, stop me from talking. Search Little Wayne. Money's what I got which is his remix of Jay-Z's Show Me What You Got, which came out in uh, 2007, I believe it was on, uh, it might have been on Dedication 2. That doesn't quite sound right, but I think it was actually on the Drought 3. But if you want to hear how the best rapper on Show Me What You Got, Jay-Z's comeback single, listen to Money's What I Got. Wayne's version is a hundred times better. And thusly, why Jay-Z mentioned, I might give this to the mixtape, Wheezy. Lil Wayne, number 17. Number 16 is Slick Rick. Rick the Ruler, our first official old school MC on the list. But hyphen, Slick Rick had one great album. He, he, he was locked up in the 90s for various dumb shit. And then he fought, he's he been fighting, uh, getting deported for years until he finally became a dual citizen in recent memory. Nobody told a story like MC Ricky D. Nobody. Excuse me. I like to call myself a storytelling rapper sometimes. And I can still throw on the Great Adventures of Slick Rick. Or even, um, 
I think I think his comeback album was, did he call it the art of storytelling? I or I can't remember what the the fourth was it the fourth album the third album because the first one was the set he did have a that was the fourth album because he had an album that he put out right as he went into jail in the early nineties and he had a behind bars album both of those were weren't that great they had some joints though and then when he officially got out in the late nineties of course he linked up with Outkast for the art of storytelling but then he put out his own album on Def Jam. And there's a joint on there with Big Boy called Street Talking. That was the main single. And that joint goes. And I've listened to the album, too. And even then, for having a essentially a 10-year layoff from being actually uh, problem-free to record a rap album, Rick is Rick is just so dope. And then you, you go to Lottie Dottie, which I found out was produced by Rick Rubin. Did Rick Rubin produce Lottie Dottie? I just read it the other day. It might have been Rick Rubin. Don't quote me on that. But I was surprised to see who produced Lottie Dottie with uh, uh, MC Dougie Fresh. With Dougie Fresh. Rick just could tell a story, man. And the different voices. and uh, Treat her like a prostitute. Um, of course, a children's story, which Montel Jordan's This Is How We Do It was built on. Uh, the Day That I Feared. I, I I saw Slick Rick with Matt when we went to Rock the Bells. I think it was seven years ago at this point. There's a Hip Hop Manifesto episode about it. Check out Hip Hop Manifesto and you'll find it on there. Um, and Rick came out because they it, it, that was the year that they had a bunch of old school acts as well as uh, newer school acts. And that's when I saw Tribe and Lauren show up at that, like two hours late claiming she was sick from the New York show and then she proceeded to be trash one of the reasons why I couldn't really consider Lauren for this list um and then even from there you got oh was Kane there? no Rakim was there Snoop was there oh and Woo but uh, aside from that Slick Rig was one of the early acts in the afternoon and while Rakim was super dope, and I saw KRS-One, and while KRS-One decided he wanted to have these two other rappers out who rap with him, and then he wanted to spend 20 minutes yelling at the DJ during his set, which was disappointing, Rick came out, just him, uh, he might have had a hype man, it was a warm day in uh, D.C. at, uh, oh, the place is escaping me, they changed the name of it too, Meriwether Post Pavilion, I think? And uh, Rick came out, and he, he was just rocking, man. He was just standing there, rocking on the mic, killing the classics. I said, yo, Matt, you see how Rick's up there with his hand in his pocket, just just posed, just holding that mic? I said, right now, Slick Rick has more swag than anybody else we may see on this whole billing. And to see that in 2010, when Great Adventures Slick Rick came out in 88, and the early stuff was, I mean, of course, Lottie Dottie and the show was out before that. To see that kind of confidence in Flair in the flesh, and to hear him sing, sing, to hear him do all his hits, all his classics, that's why Slick Rick is on this list. 
He's birthed so many styles. Jay-Z had him on the blueprint. Just to sing a hook. Just to sing a hook, he was on there. Snoop has covered him twice now. Very well. Because he did Lottie Dottie and he recently just did The Moment I Feared on Never Left. Rick the Ruler is Rick the Ruler for a reason. There's no fucking with Rick. But I couldn't put him above anybody else. Number 16, Slick Rick. Number 15, Christopher Rios. <laughs> Sorry, Christopher Rios. Big Punisher. Funny story. I may have told it on the podcast before, but you're going to listen to it anyway. Big Pun had a song out when he first, his, one of his debut singles was called Still Not a Player. My dad liked this song so much that he went and bought Capital Punishment. Still Not a Player was edited for reasons still unbeknownst to me. I know the unedited version is out there, but on this copy of the album, uh, Still Not a Player was edited. The rest of the album was not. My dad was highly disappointed. <laughs> so this is garbage. All this cussing and stuff. My, my dad doesn't. My dad's never used the N word like that. Uh, he's uh, he he will curse, but he's went through his phases where he he just would go out of his way to not curse. Because he didn't feel like the, he wanted... He, he, he said it... Whenever you cursed... Abundantly... He thought it showed a lack of intelligence. And so he would go out of his way to not curse sometimes. Even as I was a teenager and growing up into an adult. I... Got capital punishment. So... I started pouring through it. And I'm just floored. Because... I knew of Pun from Still Not a Player and the I'm Not a Player video. I believe I had heard Twins a few times. I hadn't heard off the books at that point. Because remember, I'm just a kid only exposed to the, what the source tells me, what's on MTV Jams and Rhapsody of the Basement, and whatever little radio exposure I was able to get when we went to Winchester from KYS and PGC. And... The verbal gymnastics that Big Pun is able to pull off. It, it's uncanny. There, there has never, and I'll repeat, there has never been anybody on the microphone who sounded like Pun. He would eat rappers alive. Dream Shatterer, even though the beat got changed on the album version, is one of the best examples of Pun's lyrical prowess and talent. He was incredible. Joe knew he was incredible. One of my favorite Pun songs isn't even on an album of his own. It was on the Terror Squad album. It was that What You Gonna Do joint. What you gonna do when Pun come? Knocking at your front door. And he wants more. Holy shit. You ain't a rapper. He'll kill you. That shit. Bangs. Pun just had. Such presence. 
and that's something that you'll notice uh, about the rest of this list too. Uh, these rappers have such presence on the microphone, and Pun, without a doubt, had that presence. The thing that hurts Pun ultimately is his untimely passing. As great as Capital Punishment was, and as high as many high notes as Yeah Baby had. That's all we got, really. We got the the joints in the Terror Squad album and his features. And it's something that will come up later for somebody else in why they didn't crack the top three of the list. As prodigious, as prestigious, as prodigious? As great and as wonderful as the output was that we got from Pun. It wasn't enough to carry him any higher than 15. Because with Pun, there was no ceiling, man. Pun, Pun had the tools to do six or seven albums of what he did on the first two albums. Easily. And he was beginning to cross over when he passed. Because he had the Jennifer Lopez uh, joint, Feeling So Good remix. Um, I feel like there may have been another. I feel like there may have been another um, video puns where, or another feature puns, I'm sorry. That was just awesome. And you you just had to respect it. Um, sorry, my video stopped. And I'm really trying to figure out how to uh, keep this video going. But that's why you should always listen to Hyphen Nation, folks. Um, device storage. DCIM camera um can I get some details on that I'm really sorry about this um let's see that was 11 that was today I don't want to delete that did I really run out of room it's possible what about this one Main thing is, if Pun was still around, or even had lived a little bit longer or had a longer career, things would have been different. Uh, Pun would have definitely been higher on the list. And we're back with video. It, it's just really hard to to keep Pun up there when um he just wasn't here long enough. But Pun could go toe-to-toe with anybody that's in these other spots above him. Do not doubt Pun's capabilities. Number 14. Q-Tip. So, Q-Tip was a friend of mine. (laughs) Seriously, Q-Tip. 
I I toyed with not having Q-Tip on this list, but I couldn't really do that, so to speak. I I just didn't feel right because Tribe's impact that they had on music is too great. And again, this is a conversation that probably could uh, even go with the big boy conversation I had with Marcus. Uh, that Marcus brought up about big boy should be in the in contention. Um, I love Fife. I love Jerobi, Consequence, and of course Busta, who I mentioned honorable mentions. But I'm going to tell you right now, there's nobody who comes close to being on the level of Q-Tip. Not only the Q-Tip rap, as well as he always has, has, again, a distinctive voice, something that you'll notice about a lot of these MCs. When you hear them, you know it's them. And a lot of people, just sometimes, you, you they come on the track and you're not sure who they are. I have that problem because people don't listen to me when I rap. But seriously, Q-Tip is one of the greatest MCs of all time. From countless verses on Tribe stuff, when he finally broke out on his own and came out with that first album, we got Vibrant Thing. And people were like, what's this vibrant thing shit? Like, what is this? This isn't this isn't the tip I know. Um, and then you got um Breathe and Stop for real and give it what you got. And, and Tip took a lot of shit for that album. And that's okay. And I'll tell you why that's okay. Because Tip was experimenting. And when you do as many tribe albums as they had done up until the Love Movement in 1998. To finally be able to get outside the box and do his own thing and experiment the way that he did was awesome. And then you didn't hear from Tip for a little bit. It was a little sketchy uh, for a little while. And the reason being, um, to, of course, Tip was still producing. Tip was, uh, he was always around. I know there's a huge gap in between First debut album, and I believe it was called when the Renaissance finally came out. If that's what he actually called the second joint that came out in like '08, um, but with the wordplay and the cadence and the different styles, and mostly the voice, one of the most distinctive voices in hip hop history. Q-Tip is in the top twenty, number fourteen, my favorite number. Kamal the Abstract. Q-tip. Number 13, and if you have checked out the channel, Hyphen Universe, please like and subscribe. You will see I did a tribute to Albert Johnson, better known as Prodigy of Mob Deep fame, when he passed this past summer um, from, I think it was, I can't remember the exact reason, I think it was complications from sickle cells. I mean, he battled his whole life. And thing, something he's made up several, not made up things, something he's made reference to throughout his career. And he made a whole song about on his debut album, H&IC, or Head Nigga in Charge for the Uneducated, called Never Feel My Pain. Um, I don't think we can, we have to have the conversation about Havoc possibly being in anybody's top 20. Havoc did what Havoc does, and then Prodigy did what Prodigy did. And from the very first time that the public really became aware of him, um, 
I mean, Juvenile Hell came out in 93, but of course, Infamous came out in 95. When Shook Ones Part 2 erupted into the world. There's just very few song things that people actually get to enjoy as much as Prodigy on that song. Um, Prodigy, again, he had a distinctive voice. As he got older, his voice changed a little bit. And a, a lot of MCs that happens to, you're not going to, Snoop's not going to spit the same way he did on the Chronic or on Doggy Style, as I talked about. Um, but Prodigy had a distinctive voice. And he was honestly one of one of the dudes from the East Coast to just go in on everything, man. Like he had a like he had a Wayne esque run. If mixtapes existed in the format that they did in the two thousands, Prodigy would have had several mixtapes to his name that would have been critically acclaimed. He would have probably not had the crossover appeal that um Wayne was able to achieve through the mixtapes. But he just went in. He cared so much about what he was doing. I saw a video of him. It probably was right after his death, unfortunately. But it was him the first time that he heard Alchemist played on Keep It Thorough. And you could just see the wheels turning. And Keep It Thorough is one of his greatest achievements as far as what he put on wax. As well as Quiet Storm, Hell on Earth. Um... <laughs> and countless other verses. And that's not to even mention what he did features-wise. The LL Who Shot Your Verse. Um, he he just had it, man. And, and honestly, Jay heard him a lot when he came for him on TakeOver in 2001. The ballerina pictures at, at Summer Jam hurt. But a lot of people lost respect for Prodigy because of what Jay said. Surprise, Jay influenced in the culture. Something that'll come up when we talk about Jay. Um, and it was just something that re really sent him back. But if you listen to Infamy, which is the album directly following um, the blueprint and the takeover, the, the learning, better known as Burn, featuring, featuring Vita, is... A jam. It is a top 15, maybe 20, Mob Deep record. And that's because of Prodigy. Havoc did his thing on there, joint too. You can't lie about that. But Prodigy's my favorite Prodigy verse, and I mentioned before I did the tribute to him, would be Quiet Storm. The way he came on that record, and as I was coming into my own as a hip-hop fan, it was one of the very first, the very first songs that I ever knew of his. Um, and I, I just took to it like a, a fiend on crack, man. It's a shame he's gone. His output didn't really lessen. He had a lot of music um, that's come out since he got out of prison. Uh, when did he get out? Almost 10 years ago, I guess. Including one of my favorite um, joints that he did, Return of the Mac. With Alchemist, so it was supposed to be a, a mixtape that he became, became an album. Um, had Mac 10 Handle and um, the aforementioned Return of the Mac, and uh, or not Mac 10 Handle, it had a uh, maybe, maybe it was, I don't know, I'm not looking, I'm not googling this time. 
<laughs> I, I'm just coming off the top of my dome because this list has haunted me. And that's why I'm sitting here at this time of night. In case you're listening at home, kids, this is uh, the third piece of this podcast. It just... It's, it's just a shame that he's gone. And I, I lost my train of thought, I know there. Um, it, I, he's gone too soon. His, his output never lessened. I did a little bit. He's, I mean, him and Havoc had beef. They didn't have beef. Hell, he, he was just out on doing shows with Havoc a few months before he untimely uh, his untimely passing. So, R.I.P. to Prodigy, our second rapper who has passed on this list. Um, there will be a few more, obviously, if you know anything about hip-hop. But number 13 is Prodigy. Queensbridge salute. Number 13. I'm sorry, number 12, because Prodigy was 13. Ice Cube. Ice Cube was the man who I almost gave his spot to Snoop while I was listening to Snoop's recent material, Kool-Aid, and never left. And I was convinced that I loved Ice Cube or Snoop more than Ice Cube, and I almost took Ice Cube out of contention. He probably would have got an honorable mention. Before I want I, I get into uh, Ice Cube too much, though, I know this is unrelated, but I did have LL on this list at one point. He was sitting at number 20. He lost his spot to Method Man, and then he was completely knocked out of honorable mention. I love LL, though, man, and I, I just wanted to shout him out <laughs> before I went any further because I'm looking at a list like, damn, LL didn't even get the honorable mention when he's going to be in the top 20. Um, the main thing to hurt LL was not not the good bad album bad album good album bad album but honestly the last time ll was truly spitting besides like what was the return of the goat joint that he did in like 2008 that i recall uh was 2000's goat album it was the last time that ll was killing it for me and that was the last full ll cool j project I ever listened to uh it hurts him that he got into acting, but he kept coming back so well. Supposedly, he's going to come out with another studio album. I haven't listened to... I don't even think I listened to Exit 13, which is the last Def Jam album. I didn't listen to the one that came out a few years after. I think I had Brad Paisley on it. Of course, we all know that he did an infamous song with Brad Paisley called Accidental Racist. <laughs> it's not very good, folks. Just in case you're wondering. But back to Ice Cube. Sorry, Cube. First exposure to Cube would have been... It was a good day. 1993. Hit one of the biggest singles of his career. And probably next to... Uh, I Can Do It, Put Your Ass Into It. Would be his most identifiable song. As YouTube keeps saying, very bad connection. Because I'm broadcasting live from YouTube. Because I want to take a chance to run out of space. And apologies to anybody that watched part two and the rest of the pun section wasn't on there. But as I mentioned earlier this episode, that's why you should listen to every episode of Hyphenation on your podcast listening device. It's a podcast that I'm filming now for Hyphen Universe for my YouTube channel. So make sure you're indulging in both. 
because I don't know how great the quality of this is going to be because because my router's upstairs and I'm downstairs because everybody's asleep and I wanted to get this done because I have episode 39 ready. Shocker, I have an episode done ahead of time. That's crazy for me. Absolutely insane for me. Um, but my, my education in Cube came much later, like a lot of my education in hip-hop. Um, I really didn't get into rap until 97, and then from 97 on, it was essentially on, so to speak. So, um, and I was, I've been indulging ever since, well, up until recently, because I think hip-hop kind of stinks now. Well, rap stinks. True hip-hop is still dope, because a lot of these artists on here have, re, re, have released new material that I really enjoy. Once I was able to get back to the original Cube, not the We Be Clubbing and You Can Do It Cube, and I kind of got a taste of that for the first time, that Cube, even though it, it, it doesn't really compare, but when he reunited with Dre in 99, 2000 for like joints like Hello, um, which is on War and Peace Volume 2, and I, I really saw that aggression come out. And I was, and one thing I love about rap, which may be a curious oddity to some, because it's like, why, why do you enjoy, um, why do you enjoy this rap stuff, uh, Kellen? <laughs> why do you like rappers talking about shooting guns and selling drugs, Kellen? I don't understand that. You're such a nice boy. Like, why, why does, why does that just do it for you? I like aggressive content. I like MCs who can talk that shit and sound like they're backing it up. And a lot of MCs can't do that. None of those MCs are on this list. I can say that 150%. Um, so I started getting back to the back catalog. Went back to Straight Outta Compton, which is the beginning of Peak Cube. I like you hear Cube on Straight Outta Compton, and this is his first recorded stuff on Wax. I know there might have been some early uh, stuff that was around the um, Compton area, the LA area, the West Coast. But Straight Outta Compton, way before the movie, was a masterpiece to me. I, I copped it at a Sam Goody's uh, or the, the Mountaineer Mall, which still is open, which is only. Not even five miles up the road from me right now. Um, had a Sam Goodies in it. And on my break from Teletech, I would go in there and check out CDs. And they had a reissue of Straight Outta Compton. And I got it for a, a decent price. I'm, I don't think I paid more than 11 bucks for it. And this is 2005, um, more than likely, when I got it. And I was just amazed. And then I found out how much of the NWA stuff he wrote. And of course, he went to the um, East Coast to the Bomb Squad to do his debut album, and all of that early Cube stuff up until he really got into movies, which would essentially would be um, I don't want to say Natural Born Killers, um, 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 well, of course, Menace to Society. Was he a Menace to Society? No, that's not the movie I'm thinking of. Uh, Ricky's running. Morris Chestnut is running. Boys in the Hood. Wow, and that came out when he was still. Mostly a rapper. That was his first movie. Up until like the let's just say Friday, nineteen ninety five was the turning point for Q, where he really started to 
get into the industry. I mean, of course, Players Club followed that next Friday, uh, Friday after next, and then so on and so forth. Triple H, Triple H, <laughs> Triple Triple X had a state. I know y'all are big fans of that series. Um, but, but Cube is the best rapper to ever come out of the West. I said Snoop was the king and still the king of the West, but Cube never had to put titles on it. When Cube wants to rap, Cube can kill it and still will to this very day. His last two albums that he put out in like the past five years are hard as fuck. He knows his way around a microphone and he can make that shit sound good even if he's shooting your best friend in the face. And that's why Cube is number 12 on the greatest MCs of all time list here on Hyphenation number 38. Getting closer to that number one spot. Number 11. Reggie Noble. Redman. I could honestly have put Redman higher. I love Redman. I love him. I love everything about this guy. He is ultra talented. From there is a dark side to um, uh, Muddy Waters to the album that exposed me to him, which would have been Doxanane 2000, to the criminally slept on t- uh, 2007 album that he put out. Because Malpractice was 01, 2007, he came out with, I can't remember the name of it, but his album in 2007 is dope as hell from start to finish. Start to finish. Redman can do an R&B remix. He's on one of the most popular pop songs of the 2000s when Christina Aguilera came out with her second album, Stronger. Who was on the lead single, but Redman on Let's Get Dirty. Uh, he pair- He's part of an iconic duo. An iconic duo that never gets the respect it deserves. And I'm just checking to make sure I haven't woke anybody up, but I have it. Never gets the respect that it deserves. Method Man and Redman, they've done not only their individual tracks together, they got together for not one, but two Albums, Blackout 1 and Blackout 2. And they're both fire. I mentioned earlier, or maybe I said on the prelude to Hyphenation 38 on this channel, um, which you can find somewhere down here. (laughs) I got a YouTube channel. Um, That on my Method Man episode of the Hyphen Mixtape podcast, there's a lot of Red Man because there's just not enough Red or uh, Method Man songs by himself that I thought he could really fill up the mixtape. I had to have these joints of Reggie Noble on it. Reggie is one of the most creative MCs to ever step in the microphone. He does tend to get a little redundant. He has his crutches, so to speak, when it comes to writing raps. But you just there's not. It's really hard to walk away from. Um, a Reggie Noble verse, a Red Man verse, and not be entertained. And being an entertainer is what a, is a huge part of being an MC. Um, 
one of my favorite album cuts of his is was on um the Doc's name album. It was called Da Da Da. And literally it's it's just Red Man rapping it's a story. It's a story song in the in the vein of uh oh what was his series cause EPMD had Jane oh Superman Lover. Um in the vein of his Superman Lover series, which was which was stories, but Da 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 tells this incredible story. And I wish I I had listened to it because it literally just came to my mind so I could tell y'all what it was about. But it's an incredible record. One of my favorite records on uh, Doc's The Name is The Goodness, um, featuring Busta Rhymes. And where they both, pun intended, black out on the track for four minutes. Uh, um, of course, I'll Be That was on that album. Red Man is just can be anything and everything he wants to be because his imagination does not limit him on the microphone. He's never given a fuck about what you think of him. You can look at his MTV Cribs episode and be like, oh, that was a joke. I mean, it was a little bit of a joke. but I mean, that was his real apartment. That's where he brought MTV Cribs. He's like, I want to show you one of the places I stay. Yeah, do I have a nice house somewhere? I mean... Uh, do I have a nice little setup? Do I live comfortably when I want to? Sure. But I'm just a hood nigga. And that's what Reggie Noble was always about. What he's still about. And he's been recording for a while now. Muddy Waters 2. Um, which we'll hopefully see the light of day soon. And he he's just in a really good space. Because anytime you see Redman come out with anything recent, he's killed it. Killed it. Killed it. 100%. Uh, so, Redman would be number 11 in my top 20 MCs. Now, quiet drum roll. These people's upstairs asleep. I did a loud drum roll in the um, steering wheel in, ep- in part two of this. Or in this episode, for those of you who rock with me the normal way. And I'm not dissing the video. I mean, I'm new to this. That's all it is. Number 10. We're in the top 10, ladies and gentlemen. And number 10. I want to say, oh man, I think I'm messing it up. I think his name, his government is Lonnie Rashid. Common Sense, y'all. Common Sense came out with an album in 1993, I believe, called Can I Borrow a Daughter? A Daughter. Whoop. <laughs> Can I borrow a dollar? Which was lukewarm response, so to speak. So Common went back to the lab with his good friend, No ID, who you may know as the sole producer of Jay-Z's 444 this summer. Or 444, whatever you prefer. Um, and they made a little album called Resurrection. Resurrection is one of the greatest hip-hop albums of all time. Why, you ask? Because it literally came down to the basics of hip-hop throughout it. Two turntables and a microphone. And, I guess, whatever pieces of equipment that No ID used to craft the album. Common came so tough on that album. Just from a lyrical standpoint. Common has always stood for great lyricism. 
every and common has the ll syndrome where he'll put out a whack-ass album then he'll come out with something really dope and he's kind of fallen off of that as he's gotten older but he was definitely feeling that early in his career because if you look at can i borrow a dollar can i borrow a dollar and a resurrection classic um one day it all makes sense lukewarm reception like water for chocolate which was my exposure to common and i still would say is probably his second best album um next to resurrection um which includes one of my favorite songs a sixth sense um what what else was on that joint that i really love oh he had uh doing it which is uh where uh track by produced by jd J dilla um where people thought he was taking shots at diddy which he kind of was at the time because this is 1999 everybody's coming off the g year and uh and uh I get. I want to say this: the reality rap is kind of coming in because DMX had hit, and people were getting more back to the to the the real talk versus the jiggy talk, the the swag talk, so to speak. The bad uh, getting away from the bad boy era and into uh, what music had become by 1999, 2000s. Um, as the South started to move into the picture, of course, with No Limit Records and Cash Money. Um, so all of all of them were coming in, and and Common just always knows how to deliver great records, all while maintaining great lyrics and just delivering great songs. And then he'll go far left field and make something called Electric Circus, which I've still never listened to. Shiv, I'm sorry. Still cannot bring myself to listen to Electric Circus. <laughs> um, but then from Electric Circus, he pairs up with a young Kanye West, goes on the Chappelle show, does the food live. Uh, they realize that the food recorded version does not pales in comparison to the, the version they filmed for Chappelle show, so they use that on the album. And thusly, B was born, which is probably his third best album. And then he came right back from B and dropped. Oh, I wish I could remember the title of it, but it had uh, um, dun, 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 the the game on it. Um, Common is Common's another one. I haven't said this since the uh, honorable mentions. He makes me want to rap. A lot of these MCs I'm in all of. Common makes me want to get. A pen and pad and get to it. He's an inspiration. Number 10, common sense. Number 9, the true king of the South, whether he wanted the title or not, Scarface. Scarface, of course, started his career with the Ghetto Boys. Mind playing tricks on me. Several of those. Then I believe his debut album was Who Is Mr. Scarface? Don't quote me, boy. Um, and of course that in itself is a phenomenal album. And then you, you, and the thing with Scarface, there is not a bad Scarface album. There might be bad albums that he did with his homies, his his posse's that oh Scarface presents so and so and all of this. And yes, he said he's retired and he's come back. And I don't know if he's currently retired. 
he was one of the first ones to say he was going to retire, um, along with Too Short. But I didn't understand Scarface until I heard Never Seen a Man Die. Until I heard the album that he had the Tupac feature on. I heard that whole album. The first time I heard Scarface and I was like, how did I miss this? I, I It was a Jay-Z album, of course. The Dynasty. A little song called This Can't Be Life. And on that song, you had Jay's first verse, which is powerful. You had Beans' verse. And I love Seagull. I, I would have loved to include Seagull in my honorable mentions, at least. Uh, but the problem with Seagull is his incarcerations and various issues. And, of course, um, his voice has totally changed now. He's, he's still dope because he was on that, uh, he was on that uh, Pusha T. Um, the last joint the Pusha T gave us. Because I don't, I don't think he's dropped anything since then that I really love, but, but Beans just had, he just disappeared on me after Becoming, and Becoming's one of my favorite albums. And then you have Scarface's verse. As I went into the studio to do this with Jig, I got a phone call from one of my niggas. said my son just died. Or something like that. There's something about their his friend's kid dying. And you could just tell That this was coming from a true place. This wasn't any kind of fancy shit that was being done for a record for shock value. And in later interviews, he would admit that he literally had gotten that call. I believe uh, he might even said in the verse that his wife had called him and said that his friend that their friends had lost one of their kids. And The power in that verse is alone enough to carry Scarface to number nine. There's something to be said for when hip-hop is able to convey reality and convey the pain. Because, yeah, it's extremely sad about a child dying. But the, when you listen to the verse on This Can't Be Life, as much as Kanye wanted that flossy Jay-Z on it, as he said on Last Call, when you listen to it and you hear Scarface tell the story, you see it all, you feel like you're there, you feel like you lost a child. And, and to have that ability to make the listener feel that is something that I would even say is difficult for anybody that's above him to do. You know what? I got to do this. Scarface is number seven. I'm changing this. Scarface on the fly. This is this is why we do it live. Scarface is the seventh best MC of all time. Number eight and number seven have shifted down just because of how I'm recalling this. Um, of course, he went on to make The Fix for Def Jam shortly after this. And The Fix is 
10 songs, I believe. It came out in 2003. And it is incredible. There is not a better example of why Scarface is the king of the South and one of the greatest MCs of all time. When you listen to The Fix. Fix is masterpiece. Very few MCs on this list can say they have a great album, let alone a classic album, let alone a masterpiece. The Fix is a masterpiece. And that verse on This Can't Be Life is a masterpiece. So Scarface is number seven. I did not expect that to happen. So now your new number nine is Blastmaster KRS-One. Our other, well, one of the, the last old school MCs to this list, the teacher. The first experience I had with KRS-One was a friend, which is on his um 1997 or 98 album. Uh, it's not coming to me, but it was an album that had stuck into a world on it. Shiv had the edited version of that. And I'd seen a friend on uh, BET on Rap City, uh, the video. And he let me borrow it. And I was like, man, he, he's so dope. Like, I knew KRS-One had history. As more music became readily available to me, wink, um, I went back and learned what had to be learned from Boogie Down Productions, Bridge is Over, to... There's uh, MCs act like they don't know one of my favorite KRS one songs to throw in do from PM Dawn off the stage. <laughs> KRS one is hip hop. Nobody else on this list embodies the essence of hip hop like KRS one. He lives it, he breathes it, he sleeps it, he teaches it, and on every verse. No matter whether you thought the verse was whack or not, he he. It, it just says what it is. This this is KRS man. This is what he does. Chris is a monster, and there's just no denying what he what he's able to do on the microphone his, his he's not as lyrical in a sense of how he rapped um when he came out i know that's not even right i mean there, there's just a, a difference from krs1 to any of the mcs above him there there's a, a huge difference and, and that's just what the, the changing times. And KRS adapted. One of my favorite KRS one verses is, was on that uh, Sway and Tech. Was it Sway and Tech? Um, on uh, that, that joint that had all the different MCs on it. And he came on it and just... Was he on that or am I thinking it's about something else? Because there's another record and it's called um, Four Corners or something like that. Five, corner, uh, five, five Burrows. Five Burrows. And it's it's KRS, Rev Run. Pun might have been on that. But I know KRS and Run were on it. And Run and KRS both murdered that. And that was in 1998. The Blastmaster is the teacher of hip-hop. 
just going through his solo catalog and even the Boogie Down catalog, you just have to listen to it. And you'll see that he was light years ahead of the competition. And you can say, oh, well, KRS didn't do this well. Or KRS bitched out a DJ at Rock the Bells in 2010 for 20 minutes during his set, which I've mentioned multiple times now, which really bothered me. But despite all of that, KRS is sick. And then to be... He took on Queensbridge. Not, he didn't just take on MC Shan. That was the battle. Boogie Down Productions versus MC Shan. Um, and, um, can't remember what it's called. Oh, I'm sorry. But MC Shan's crew. Um, of course, they had uh, oh, South Bronx and, and those, those diss songs. But when you hear The Bridge is Over... The Bridge is Over is one of the best diss songs in hip-hop history. It's better than any diss song written by anybody that's above this man. And there's only a few of them, but there's some big ones in there. But there's just... KRS-One was a trailblazer. And because he was such a trailblazer, and because he had such an open arm philosophy to let me teach you about hip-hop, let me show you the way, that's why he's now number nine on the list. Number eight, Andre Benjamin. 3,000. The half of outcasts that made it into the top 20. But hyphen... Why is Andre in here? Andre never put out a solo album. Big Boy's put out like three solo albums. Andre has... I mean, I guess you could count Love Below, but that don't really count. He only rapped in the very last um, song. No other MC. Any other MC would not be in this top list with Andre 3000's career. Because let's look at it. 1994, you had, uh, mm, drawing blanks. What was Outkast's first album? You had Outkast's first album. Damn. Southern Playalistic. Cadillac music. Then in 95, they came back with AT Aliens. And that's when Andre started dressing weird and doing all the weird shit and everybody's like oh Andre's gay Andre's definitely gay why is he doing that and then 98 you had Equimina Five Mics in the Source not my favorite Outcast album towards the end but it gets a lot of love it does have Spodio Delicious on it it does have Rosa Parks it does have Dara Storytelling it does have Skewed on the Barbie okay Equimina might be my favorite <laughs> then in 2000 came back with Stankonia which is my favorite Outkast album. Took a little bit of a hiatus. Came out with The Whole World in 2001 for their greatest hits album. Introduced the world to Killer Mike. Um, won a Grammy for that after winning the best um, winning album. Not album. Did they win album of the year in 2000? I don't think any rap albums ever won album of the year. They definitely won best rap album in 2000 uh, for Stankonia. And then to finally cap it off with 
so to speak, their, their run. I, I don't pay too much attention to Idlewild. Idlewild had its moments. I like Mighty O a lot. Um, but it wasn't it, it wasn't a true Outcast album like I wanted it to. Like we all wanted it to be. Come back with Speaker Box and Love Below. Where there's only literally one song on the whole album that features Big Boy and Andre together. And that is... Excuse me. Ghetto Music from Speaker Box. Andre consistently, whether he'll admit it or not, outshined Big Boy. He was always better than Big. Whether he wanted to be or not, he was always better than Big Boy. And that's really difficult to do because Big Boy is super dope. It's like you take a bit MC like Big Boy, and if you rate him a scale of 10, I'm going to put Big Boy at 8. Andre was a 14 out of 10. Is a 14 out of 10. And then they broke up and, well, they stopped doing music, went on hiatus, and then the plan was Andre getting movies, and Andre did go get in the movies. Like, I mean, he was in Four Brothers, there's several movies that he's been in. Uh, I believe he still continues to act every now and then to this day. But Andre did something that no one expected him to do. He kept himself relevant through his guest verses. And it wasn't just like, oh, Andre should up do a 16. Andre 3000 features are events. I was listening to Frank Ocean's album last year, um, Not Endless, um, the, the one that actually came out the surprise album because Endless we kind of they, they got like oh Endless is here and then like a day later it's like oh here's here's my actual album that's not the visual album Andre is on a song called Solo Reprise on there I was on the way back from training at my old job um, on the way back from Ohio to Morgantown and that came on and the song is literally 90 seconds maybe, might even be less than a minute. And I kept repeating it and repeating it and repeating it. And probably by the time I finished letting it repeat a bunch of times, it was like six times. Because, one, it was unexpected, but it was also so damn good. Just to name a few of my favorite Andre features. He has a song, he's on a song with uh, Rick Ross's album it was on uh, God Forgives I Don't called 16 and in the hook's like and he's singing the hook and plays a little guitar and everything and Andre's like when 16 ain't enough and then Rose who is one of my favorite MCs who I couldn't bear to put on this list as much as I love him uh he he comes on and basically about when you 16 bars ain't enough you want to really let it go so he spits his verse and it's a fire verse it's a hell of a Rick Ross verse but then Andre comes on, and Andre just spits mastery, mastery level bars, Bruce Lee bars. Another one, uh, there, there was a, a leak that came out when me and Monster Lung went back to doing the Urban Donner in 2010. And it was called I Do, and it was literally Andre doing the hook and, and rapping about getting married and it literally only had Andre's verses on it, and we were just waiting for the finished version of this song to leak. And 
eventually came out as a Jeezy song featuring Jay-Z of all people, and there's even a version with Drake on it. Um, and it was built around this one, uh, this 90 seconds, two minutes of Andre doing a verse and a hook. Um, another one, the Walk It Out remix is a big one. Uh, Walk It Out, Walk It Out, which is a trash song, but when 3000 got on it, that got Big Boy on it. So all of a sudden we had an Outcast remix of a terrible South song. <laughs> and it was dope. People love that shit. Um, another Andre feature that, that comes to mind. I mean, the artist storytelling part four, which is on the, the DJ Drama Gangsta Grills album, um, which featured Marsha and Brocious. And as of right now, I want to say that's the last true Outcast track with them both on it together that came out. I know they reunited for the tour a few years ago, but it's the last Outcast track we got. Andre makes every feature an event. No other MC can do that. Hove tried that, and Hove failed. There's really bad Hove features out there, and especially in between the era and between the Black Album and uh, Kingdom Come. Now, there is also some really dope Hove features out there, but I mean, let's think about it. His Umbrella Verse was during uh, was during his re- retirement. He did the uh, Blow the Whistle remix when he was retired. Just stuff like that. That stuff is like, eh. It's cool, Jay, Jay did it, but it's not cool. But there is not one bar that's out there where Andre 3000's credit is a feature that he wasted. He was on Take Care, Drake's 2011 opus, which probably is still his best album to this day. And he comes on the, on the record, and you just forget about Drake and Wayne. And Drake was the hottest dude out at the time, and Wayne was coming off of his incredible run that we talked about earlier. I couldn't put him any higher, though, and the only reason is because he never took the time to put out a solo album. He said in his recent interview that came out, I want to say it was GQ that did that. And he came out and he said, he was like, look, there's tons of records that I've done that I've never seen the light of day, like that I'll probably never even release. There's songs of verses, there's songs of me singing, there's songs of me trying to play guitar and get this down. And maybe they'll be released when I'm gone. But the future of an Andre 3000 album is bleak because we all expected at some point he would just knuckle down and surprise us, especially in the era of surprising, surprise albums. I expect to go on uh, hip-hop heads on Reddit one day and be like, it'll be like, fresh, Andre 3000. What up, nigga? <laughs> I'm, I'm dead ass. I'm dead ass. Um... I could totally see. I would love to see the album title. Like, yo, you heard that? Like, yo, you heard the new What Up, nigga? Like, what? Like, no, that Andre 3000, What Up, nigga? He just dropped that shit, like, on Tuesday at, like, 1 o'clock in the morning. Uh, he just dropped it for free. And now and uh, now he's got it on iTunes and everything. But, yo, it's just, like, 17 tracks of fire. It's, like, 180 minutes. <laughs> but I love that shit. He's got, a, he's got a track with garbage on it. And Shirley Manson... <laughs> If Andre ever comes out with a true soul album, we'll consider bringing him higher than Scarface. Um, but your number eight MC of all time, 
Gemini, Quimini. I can't remember who's a Quimini, who's Gemini. Uh, it's me and Matt are Quimini and Gemini. And I think Big Boy was the Quimini. So I'm not on Andre's level. But if I am on Andre's level, I'm okay with that. If I'm an Aquarius with Andre, what up, fellow Aquimini? I mean, Aquarius. Oh, Lord. Number six. Now that we got our order back together here. And before I forget, not that I plan on publishing this, but list, but I don't want to forget this vital moment that happened where Andre and Scarface completely switch roles in that exciting moment. Um number six, and I I I, I polled some people on this one. Because when I was originally writing this list, I was debating between number six and number five really heavily. And I was like, look, number five, number six. No other questions asked. Who do you take? And I got two responses to take number six, Rakim, over the number five guy. And I couldn't do it. I could not do it. I got one response back that said... No, it was, I pulled four people. I got three responses. It should be Rakim at number five. And one person told me to put the guy, the guy at number five at number five ahead of him. Rakim revolutionized rap. Nobody was rapping like Rakim when Rakim appeared with Eric B. His style has often been imitated, duplicated, almost duplicated. It's, his style has been perfected by others now. But when Rakim came on the scene, there was nobody spitting that kind of lyricism and that way and that voice. He is just like I, me I mentioned about Common and, and Scarface. I mean, hell, anybody on this list. One of the most definitive voices in hip-hop. He had a very quick what I thought would be an amazing resurrection on Aftermath, and that, that fell apart, unfortunately. But we did get The Watcher too, as well as uh, some other dope features. He was on that Truth Hurt song. <laughs> but Rakim, is, he, he's a beast. He's an absolute beast. And the effect he has on people... Going back to Rock the Bells 2010, Rakim came on after Slick Rick. And watching Rakim, Rock, I mean, Roz in his 50s now, I think. Maybe even early 60s. I think it's his 50s, though. He got on this stage and rocked like a 17, hell, let's and a 20-year-old. He was on that stage doing the damn thing. He was pouring his heart out doing the classics. He even did some newer stuff. And people were messing with it. He had a few albums that came out in the late 90s. Like the 18th letter and something else. Maybe called The Master. I don't know. Don't quote me. Uh, that while they didn't weren't critically acclaimed like his early works with Eric B. The videos and the lyrics were still light years beyond what a lot of people were able to do at that point. Even the better lyricists that had came after him. There is not, maybe there, there's probably 
I'm not going to diss him. There is nobody that comes after Rakim at this point that's not influenced by him. And there's several MCs I've already mentioned who was influenced by Rakim. He ain't no joke. I usually let the mic smoke. There's so many times that people have taken his voice and reused it for their own songs because of the command that he has of the microphone. He is the first one that I could say could be number one. If I was born of a different age, if I was if I was 44 instead of 34, I may be willing to put him at number one because I would have been right there in the thick of when Eric B was going for president with Rakim. And because I'm slightly younger, that's the only reason I can't put him higher. But there's no denying his impact on hip-hop and his impact just on music in general. And before I go any further, I also want to shout out Chuck D. Um, Because Chuck D is another one whose voice is sampled a lot and also a distinctive voice. Um, Why didn't I include Chuck D in any of this? I was never the biggest public enemy guy. And that's just me. That's just me. I respect Chuck D's lyrics. I respect his talent and his voice especially. I will... A PE song comes on. I will enjoy the hell out of it. But I've never been a public enemy guy. And again, that's probably because of my youth. I missed PE's error. And when I went back and listened to it, I was like, okay, cool. That's what that was about. I never felt like... Uh, with with uh, Chuck D that I was missing. Well, I don't want to say missing anything, but I, I just felt like he was dope and I saw how, why people thought he was dope, but he just wasn't anybody that I would put in my list. But Rakim embodies what an MC's all about. Top to bottom, always has, always will. And much like KRS, he is an ambassador for what hip-hop could be when he first arrived. And he still, to this day, is an ambassador. Rakim could get down with... I don't know, let me think of somebody... If Kendrick went to Rakim right now and said, yo, let's do a track, um... uh. Rakim a lot or Rakim's like alright let's do it young blood not that Rakim says young blood and they do a track and it comes out on uh, leak, and they put it on the internet next Tuesday the world would go nuts cause it would be so fire be the best rapper alive now with a former best rapper alive and they could just be going bars for four minutes and the internet would go nuts and then they pick it apart like oh well Rakim kinda uh, Kendrick kinda got him cause Rakim uh, didn't come. I didn't really like what he had to say here, and I'm only 17, and I can't. I can't get jiggy with this shit. Uh, but Rakim is a different monster all of himself. But I could not, in good conscience, I could not put him above this next guy. And I was so torn because me and this next guy have had issues. As far as me um, not doubting his ability, but uh, just me throwing shade at what he accomplished and his skills and versus other people, his other contemporaries. 
Fortunately, this is uh, another gentleman who's no longer with us, but this is the first gentleman who's no longer with us due to violence, unfortunately. And that gentleman would be Tupac Shakur. Tupac is number five on this list. Now, why didn't I... Why did I not want to give Tupac his props for so long? Mostly because I felt like Pac's music came from, again, Pac. My, I came into hip hop right after Pac died, essentially, and all I knew was the Pac screaming out the window, middle fingers up, I fucked your, I fucked your bitch, yada yada yada, West Coast better than the East Side. All, all this hatred, Pac, like Pac, just seemed to come from such a, a, a hatred with him. He just had such hate in him, and I couldn't understand why. Because ultimately, it cost him, him, and Biggie their lives. Um, spoilers. <laughs> God bless the dead. But seriously, like, to the idea that Pac was a top. Anything MC was beyond me. It's like, yeah, I get it, but he's not that dope. Like you hear Pac, and it's, it's very simple. There was there was never anything with Pac that made me stand up and go, "Yo, do you hear what Pac just said?" No. And Pac overcame that though, and overcame my uh, objections with his passion, because when I started hanging out with uh, when I met Wes, DJ Hypnotic in college. He was the biggest Tupac I'm fan, I, fan I knew next to Matt. And Matt loved Pac, but I like as much as Matt tried, I he never sold me on Pac. But Wes, Wes would be like, yeah, we I'm gonna listen to this. Me against the world. Uh um uh, strictly for my niggas. Uh we're gonna listen to this. Yeah, we're gonna listen and he he just he love he still loves Pac this day. He would put Pac at number one. No doubt about it. I, if it wasn't so late, I'd call him up right now and ask him, like, yo, who's your number one MC all the time? He's like, Pop. Not a question in my mind. <sighs> Pop's passion is the reason he's on this list and the reason he got himself killed. Now, the rumors have flown. I have not watched All Eyes on Me about... That he was not truly happy on death row once Shug bailed him out. That the reason his output got so prodigious um, was because he was trying to fulfill his uh, his his deal with death row so he could get out and take the outlaws and do their own thing. The east to west thing uh, beef hangs heavily over his head, unfortunately. With hit him up and then the the countless. I mean, of course, the interview with Vibe saying that Biggie and Pop, uh, yeah, Biggie and Puff set him up in New York. They had shot, shot in Quad Studios. But to, when you get to the music, man, even with the first album, Brenda's got a baby. It's just something different about this guy because he can go the whole album talking about riding on you and and, and fuck you and and. Uh, you ain't shit. I'm gonna kill you. Some gangsta ass shit. The whole album, and he's like, "Yo, what? I want you to think about this." Brenda's got a baby. Brenda's got a baby. There was no songs out like that about. I mean, 
just about that kind of struggle and that kind of poverty, Pac opened a lot of people's eyes to what was going on in other parts of the world, the country. Because there's so many, I'm from Hampshire County, West Virginia, there's so many white people that loved Tupac, especially after he died. I love Tupac. I'm like, what do you love Tupac for, girl? Like, why? Like, I don't get it. Like, like, oh, it's it just, he's just so real. He's so real. I, I had a coworker um, at my old job, and she told me that she loved Tupac. And when, and when she was younger, she used to say Tupac was her boyfriend. And she even, uh, she went to Vegas this summer with her family. And she even uh, went to the infamous spot in Vegas where Pac got shot. She didn't take no photos or anything like that, but she was there and she marked herself on Facebook. She said she would. Um, out of anybody else on this list, next to one man, there's nobody else on this list that's had such a cultural impact like Tupac. As I mentioned with Kendrick, his whole second major label studio album was a poem that he was telling Tupac from an old Pac interview that he used that made it sound like they were having a conversation until Pac unexpectedly passed away. Um, Pac was never the best lyricist, but Pac meant every word he said on wax. He was so passionate about it. And when you even look at the album cuts that are so popular that got remade by Murder Inc. and Ja Rule, like Pain, So Many Tears, Pain might be one of my favorite Tupac songs. Ambitions is a rider when he came, um, he got out. Um, All Eyes on Me is many people's favorite double album, hip-hop album of all time. Many's. I I would take ready. I would take more. Well, born again, life after death slightly, but that's only because I enjoy the musical aspect of life after death more than what Pac gave us on All Eyes on Me. But All Eyes on Me was recorded. I forget how fast he said it's been recorded, but he just went. He got out of the jail, went right to the studio, started recording, and they had All Eyes on Me like within a month and a half. If that's right, don't quote me. Who does that? Pac loved hip hop. Pac was an artist, man. Like he 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 came from an art school. He was born in Brooklyn. He's a Brooklyn kid, and he got moved out to Oakland. Pac was a good kid, and then as he he got into um rapping and actually got involved with. I don't want to say gang activity, but criminal activity, so to speak, and start hanging out with different people, that's when he really started getting into the lifestyle that you see him as the thug life, um, the, th- the thug life persona he always was defined by. That's when he got into that. But then he still had time to, as much as he got around, he still had time to do Dear Mama. Dear Mama was years before Kanye ever did Hey Mama. Dear Mama is a beautiful record about his his mother struggling coming up trying to raise him and his sister in her struggles with drugs and one of his best songs one of i'd say one of my favorite pop songs that gets slept on it wasn't at the time it was a single had a video and everything but now if you i mean we're 
14 years, not 14 years, because 14 years will only be 2003. Uh, we're 24 years removed from it, but um, keep your head up. Is is one of the most inspirational hip hop songs ever, and it was written by Tupac Shakur, the same guy who on the same album said some fucked up shit about bitches and hoes. He was a complicated man. No MC on this list, other than one other person, is as complicated as Pac. And it's said that Pac, and he would be higher if he was around more. If he hadn't gotten taken away, if we had saw what would happen after he fulfilled his uh, con- his uh, contract with Death Row, I still hold Machiavelli as my favorite Pac album. There is, it's not on Machiavelli, but my favorite Pac song is Ride on Our Enemies. Not the version that came out on one of the posthumous albums, but the original OG version that Let's play for me. You call it for, like Fuji's Mob Deep. He just goes in, and every time I was mad in college for a while, especially Potomac State, I would throw one right on our enemies, man, and and that shit would fuel me. But at the same time, it would mellow me out. Not that I was a violent person by any means, but that shit meant something to me. It did. It was some of the realest bars ever written. And if Pac was here longer, he would be higher. So my apologies to Tupac for sleeping on his greatness. I'm glad I was able to finally realize this. So your number five MC, and better than Rakim in my opinion, is Tupac Shakur. Number four, Christopher Wallace, Biggie. I had Big originally in the top. I had Big at three. And I had a real big debate about Big Jay-Z. Because on one hand, you think about Big and Jay-Z, and essentially Jay-Z just took Big's ball and kept running with it after Big passed away. And I was holding that against Jay so hard. So hard. But the same problem plagues Big that plagued Pop, man. I mean, we only got born ready to die and life after death. Everything else was after he was gone. And... That's just super hard to contend with that with a man as talented as Biggie was with the way he was able to tell a story and his lyrics and his delivery and his sense of humor and the skits and the lifestyle that he embodied and even the behind the scenes drama with Faith and Charlie Baltimore and Kim and uh, the records with Junior Mafia and the, the ghost writing. There was nothing that Big could not do. Big was incredible, start to finish. Ready to Die is a classic. Life After Death is almost a classic, and it's only because it might be four songs too long. But there's... um, Somebody's Got to Die is one of my favorite Biggie songs. Everyday Struggle, one of my favorite Biggie songs. Big is incredible. I wish that Pac and Biggie and Pun had gotten to live longer than they did. Because Pun would be higher on this list and Big and Pac might be one or two. But they were lives are ultimately cut short 
unfortunately. But Big just had his charisma from the, and he has one of the most identifiable voices. Next, he has to have out of the remaining guys. There, none of their voices are in question with Euro, and Biggs wasn't either. But Big just had so many styles, and like even when you go back and read the behind the scenes that Double uh, XL did on the making of Life After Death, they tell the story how Bone came in and did Notorious Thugs, and they all got fucked up in the studio, and Big was there, and they all did their shit. Somebody passed out, and then they said one of them woke up, and Big was finally in the booth. He said, and Big had just been quiet the whole night, like he was having a good time. Big had been quiet. He hadn't, he hadn't said anything about what he's going to do on the track. And then one of them woke up, don't quote me, but woke up and saw Big in the booth, killing it, just like them, on their level. Fast rap, which was in vogue. He wasn't as fast as Busy, but Big set that shit off. Even some of his shit that's on Born Again that uh, they put out is fire. I absolutely love um, well before I get into that uh, um, oh, Dead Wrong. Dead Wrong. I absolutely love Dead Wrong. I'm going to get back to Dead Wrong one second. There was nothing that big could not do. Going back to Cali, he did the Play a Hater song, which was him singing like a goofball with Puff. And I, I just was watching something about uh, Faith uh, recording with Pac, and of course that led to Pac saying what he said on Hit Him Up, where, and the interview was like, uh, Junior Mafia was like, yo, we gotta get back to these guys immediately. And, and Big said, I mean, this is, of course, hit him up, Sal. He already accused, uh, Pocket already accused Big of, and Puff of setting him up in New York City before he went to jail. And he, everybody's like, go back at Pac. You gotta go back at Pac right now. Let's go. We gotta get the outlaws. And Big was like, no. No. That's not what we're about. We're going to keep making these records and we're not going to respond to that. Now, there's rumors that Who Shot Ya was about Pac in some ways. Of course, he had the infamous if Faith had twins, you probably have two Pacs. Get it? Two Pacs on uh, Brooklyn's Finest with Jay. Big was a happy dude. His lyrics didn't often reflect it, but Big was happy. He had made it. He was making a living for his son and his new his uh his daughter and his newborn son. He was Big was living in the shade. He was doing what he loved and he was getting paid very well to do it. And then his life was cut short. Which is the only reason I was able to separate Jay away from Big. Because Jay was originally four. Big was three. And I just could not, in good conscience, leave it that way. Some of it had to do with as much as I love Jay. 
I can't lie, I am biased. But it's just so difficult to think of what could have been and then blame that one Jay. What happened happened, and then what happened with Jay happened. One of my favorite big verses is Dead Wrong. Uh, well, I can't remember whether they remade that beat or if that was the original beat that came out when Born Again dropped in 2000. Did that come out in 99? I think it was 2000. Could have been 99, though. And I was sitting there to, trying to work on this list, and I was like, all right, who on this list that's left could possibly go toe-to-toe with Big? We know Jay was able to do it on Brooklyn's Finest, and I love the dough. And those songs that they have together. And there's a um, mm, the joint that's on Puff's album, uh, Real G's. It doesn't sound right. Something G's. Uh, well, you know that Jay could hang with Big. We never got to find out if Nas could truly hang with Big. We knew they were friends, but... It's 2017, and there's never been an official Nas Biggie track for us to compare to. There's only one other person on this list, though, who I think could hunt. Well, I mean, of course, Pop had the freestyle with Big. Um, that the infamous freestyle that came out that that time they were at the show together, and and then what, um, Eminem built that uh, Dying to Live song off of. Well, I think... I don't think he used Pox words. I don't remember. I could be completely wrong. But I already mentioned his name. The only other person on this list, as much as I love everybody I've mentioned, or haven't mentioned, like Pusha T. What up, Pusha T? I'm sorry you're not in honorable mention. I like you, Push. Is Marshall Bruce Mathers. I'll say this right now. Eminem was my number one for a minute. A hot minute. A very hot minute. Because <laughs> then, then I flipped it. Um, when Eminem comes on to Dead Wrong. He was coming off. Of... Marshall Mathers LP. Eminem was the hottest rapper in the world at this time. Slim Shady LP came out in 99. He came back in 2000 with Marshall Mathers LP. In 1996, he released Infinite, which is an underground classic. Hailed by many as an underground classic. And then I guess he got a call from Bad Boy saying, hey, we want you to get on this big album we're trying to put together and Uh, We want you to be on the lead single, Dead Wrong. And anybody else who got that third verse of that song would have messed it up. Because the first two verses are such perfection from Big. And the hook is perfection. And then when Eminem comes on, with the seven different levels of cannibalism and nexicism, I might have messed that up, but it's one of the most graphic and zany verses in his catalog. But for what Big was talking about, which is some 
graphic and zany, fucked up shit. Eminem matched him. Hell, I'll go as far to say as Eminem actually had the better verse than Big. Yeah, I said it. M had a better verse than Big on Dead Wrong. Which is insane. First thing with Eminem we have to talk about is the shock value. But how you how you gonna put Eminem so high? Like he says shit just to say it and get a reaction from people. And a lot of the times he was just saying shit to get Dr. Dre to laugh. He doesn't have to say that shit. He he enjoys saying that shit in his raps. He gets a kick out of it. When he goes back and re-listens to it, if he even re-listens some shit, or he has to do redo it, uh, he's performing, and he knows his bar is coming up, he know, he can recall the moment why it made him laugh, as long as it's not something he lost in his haze of uh, drug abuse over the years that he's since cleaned up from. So throw that out the window. That has nothing to do with anything. Not a damn thing. Eminem held the title Best Rapper Alive for a couple years, I'd say. I'd say it was it was between him and Jay uh, for most of the early 2000s until essentially 2004 when they were both essentially kind of MIA. Jay retired and uh, Eminem, well, he was doing Encore, but Encore is hailed as his one of his worst albums. Some will say that Relapse is. I enjoyed Relapse. He went the funny voices. What Eminem did that nobody else in this list was able to do, since he is the newest out of anybody in the list. I mean, his first album came out in the late nineties. Nobody else on this list, other than Tip came out is is so new to the list really I mean Kendrick was honorable mentions the Slim Shady LP was cool My Name Is was a great single it came out of nowhere um, I mean a lot of a lot of the underground heads knew Eminem from the Rap Olympics and his work with Royce when Bad Meets Evil his stuff that he did with uh, the Outsiders. That's Harry. I think it was the Outsiders. Um, of course, he was on Sound Bombing. He links up with Dr. Dre and makes My Name Is and the world goes crazy. Then he follows that up with Slim, the full album Slim Shady LP, which is essentially a, a repackaged version of Slim Shady EP. Um, of course, he's always been labeled as by at least the media, as such a um, standard bearer for violence and excessiveness and gore and just outright just disrespectful things towards women and and different uh not well, not so much races but definitely towards um uh L L G B T L B G T wow. Lesbians, gay, bi, trans community, like 
always is. Well, him and Eminem says uh, f bomb. I'm not gonna say it. Um, and he he calls and he says people's gay and thinks it's funny and and even even with his most recent album, the Marshall Mathers LP two, uh, he still was throwing f bombs and and saying stuff. And that was in 2014 when that came out, and people were still mad at him for it then. And things have changed a lot from. Slim Shady LP. And then from... I mean, he didn't have any, like... I mean, My Name Is was a hit. But... And there was records being sold, obviously. But I wasn't really sold on Eminem. I I had heard the album I liked. I just don't give a fuck. And other cuts, like uh, one of my favorites, which is um, My Fault. I never meant to give you mushrooms, girl. I never meant to bring you to my world. One of my favorite Eminem songs. And then he, he puts out this little monster card called the Marshall Mathers LP. And one of my favorite stories going to the album is the album was done, but they didn't have a single. And the label's like, we need a single, we need a single. And so he responds by making The Way I Am. Which is essentially so anti-single with the cadence in the hook it, it just has album cuts written all over it and they have releasing as a single he, he does the way I am and then once he does that he gets an idea and suddenly real Slim Shady's born and thus started the trend of the trendy pop records of the shock value pop records which fell completely on his face by Encore when he did just lose it he perfected it on Marshall on my favorite Eminem album, which is the Eminem Show, with um, "Without Me." I, I still stand as that's his one of his best debut singles, better than "Real Slim Shady" and "My Name Is" or anything that's come after. Um, the Marshall Mathers LP is a monster. Of course, that he gets lots of backlash from all kinds of groups for. Song Kim, as well as the misogynistic and hateful lyrics that he has. But the thing with Eminem, and the thing that he's been forgiven for in hip-hop, is he's always paid such respect to hip-hop because he studied hip-hop. He, he recent, in the past four or five years, uh, LL was doing an interview on Shade 45, and Eminem called up and did a different voice, and then he, he was literally spitting... LL raps and it sounded just like LL back to LL, right? Like our right phone, and then finally he's like, "Hey, it's Eminem," and they all had a, sh- a big laugh. Like Eminem loves hip hop. Everybody I've named on this list, Eminem loves them in some way or form, shape or form, for some reason or another. I don't know about Ti. <laughs> um. No, they do have a song together. I think they had a song together on uh, T.I. vs. Tip. Touchdown, I believe. Uh, him, I hate to say it, but as much as he was maybe joking about being Elvis on Without Me, he's exactly what Elvis did. Elvis took rock and roll from black people and made it super cool and crossed it over and then 
he was the biggest rock and roll star in the world and all the black people started rock and roll like wait a minute that's not Hound Dog's not his record and nobody would listen because his version was so much better than what they were able to do and I'm sorry to say that that's why rock and roll got ultimately got taken away we should get credit for starting it but Elvis perfected it and Eminem essentially perfected the art of crossing over through rap because he studied it and because he loved it and then you go from Marshall Mathers LP he had great features on 2001 album with Dr. Dre what's the difference and of course forgot about Dre iconic features that still to this day I can remember the whole verse from forgot about Dre he gets he gets he signs on to do a semi-autobiographical movie about himself called eight mile to play himself he does damn he does several songs on the soundtrack while recording the album while filming the movie lose yourself is ultimately maybe his best work ever his best song ever and it wasn't even on his own album it was on a soundtrack it came out on his label but it wasn't even for his own album Eminem there's no, uh, just like Biggie there's nothing that Eminem has done badly he even has the the rock star drug problems issues because there's nobody else on this list that's really struggled with drugs like Eminem does. Obviously Eminem's now sober for several years now. But normally the common theme is like, oh, I got hooked on drugs and now I'm clean and now I'm back. And that's exactly what he did. He came back from relapse. He realized people weren't feeling it. He tweaked his he tweaked his formula a little bit, came back out with recovery, and all of a sudden he's the best rapper in the world again. The best selling rapper in the world again. Just like that. He was number one on my list for a second. But then I had to stop. I had to pull myself back. But I couldn't put him any lower than the top three. Number two. The guy who was number one. Up until the moment that I wrote this list. Nazir Jones. Nas was my first rapper that I ever loved. I bought, my dad bought me I Am at Costco in 1999. I don't know how parental stickers snuck by him. I later got yelled at by my mom and dad. Well, not even yelled at, but they're like, why are you listening to that filthy music? Because you bought it for me. <laughs> I first heard Nas. As far as I can remember, the first time I really listened to Nas was on Nas is Like. Nas is Like is one of my top five Nas tracks ever. I did not listen to Illmatic until 2005. I'm not ashamed to admit that. I had heard songs from Illmatic, but I never listened to Illmatic as a whole until 2005. Hell, I didn't listen to It Was Written until... 
not that long before me and Matt did the Hip Hop Manifesto episode about It Was Written in a Reasonable Doubt. Nas is as much as Rakim calls himself the God MC, Nas is the God MC. Marcus was just making fun of what of Nas talking about hackers on Nas album done, the DJ Khaled song. And CFX was agreeing with him that they, he essentially was just kind of making stuff up and didn't know what it meant. And that while that may be true, it still sounded dope as hell, man. Like, let's go backwards. Life is good. Great album. Uh, Distant Relatives. Great album. Untitled. The album that almost got him number one. So criminally slept on. It was, we all loved it when it came out. But I can't tell you anybody who's probably listened, went out of their way to listen to Untitled in the last five years. And there's even rumors that Nas didn't write every bar on Untitled. And that's okay. That's okay. Considering the heavy-handed stuff he was talking about. From Untitled, we had Hip Hop is Dead No 06, which is the first declaration of hip hop really being dead. And it brought us the first Jay-Z Nas collaboration, which was disappointing ultimately. But it sounded dope. The beat sounded sick <laughs> when it came on. Um, Hip Hop is Dead was on there. Um, of course, Who Killed It is a lot of people make fun of it, but I, I liked it as a concept. I really like Hip Hop Was Dead. In 2004, he gave us the double album, Streets Disciple. Way too much Nas, but it was really dope. In 2003, or 2002? 2003, The Lost Tapes, which was a bunch of songs that was recorded in the I Am Nostradamus era that didn't make the albums that came out. And it's a classic by itself, and that was without promo. From Do-Rags all the way up to Papa Was a Player. No Ideas Original. All classic songs. 2002, he gave us Godson, the follow-up to his comeback album Stillmatic. And that was so dope in itself that... No. Godson gave us such, like... The first song on there, um, oh, Get Down, is an amazing cinematic masterpiece. Of course, got, um, Made You Look is on there. Made You Look is one of his biggest singles, one of his biggest songs. Um, you go from God's Son to Stillmatic, the response to Jay-Z, what ultimately ended the Jay-Z-Nas battle, and made Jay make... The terrible decision makes super ugly. Ether. Not only Ether got yourself a gun. Not only got yourself a gun, one mic. Not only one mic, but rewind. He told the whole song backwards. He spit it backwards from finish to end. Finish to start. I remember being in the car with, with Wes and Matt listening to that on the way back from Hampshire County to Potomac State. Wes had the bootleg stomatic, and we were floored. Floored. 
99, Nostradamus. As much as people want to shit on Nostradamus, it was awesome. <laughs> sorry, sorry. It wasn't so awesome. <laughs> but when it was good, it was good. When it was bad, it was bad. But it had pro project windows on it. And um, there was another joint on there. Hell, I, I messed with the title track. As bad as people said the title track was, I messed with it. Never was a big fan of uh, You Owe Me, though. 99 also brought us I Am, my first Nas album. Nas is like New York State of Mind Part 2, which not only was a sequel to New York State of Mind from Omatic, but also possibly improved on New York State of Mind, in my opinion. As well as one of my favorite Nas tracks, Undying Love, the album closer where Nas comes home to find his wife cheating on him with another man. In a blind rage, he kills them both. And then ends up getting shot by the police. In a shootout at his home when he just wanted to come home and see his wife after a weekend in Vegas. Maybe not his wife, but he was going to propose to her. It's a brilliant song. 1996... You had It Was Written in between I Am and It Was Written. You had the Firm album, which wasn't critically acclaimed, but I still did some heat. It was written. Some people say It Was Written was better, is better than Illmatic. I won't say that. I'll never say that. I feel like It Was Written had a lot of flaws, but it did have I Gave You Power, Street Dreams. The Street Dreams remix was birthed from there. Um... And I want to say the, the original affirmative action was on this album. Was on it was written. And then you go back to the beginning. A kid from Queensbridge. Tears up live from the barbecue. For large professor, he gets the deal. The Columbia. He gets some of the best producers at that time, including someone else on this list. Q-Tip, who I started this part off with. He gets Pete Rock. He gets DJ Premier of Gangstar fame. He, as well as um his, I, I can't, I don't remember. I, I know he always messed with LES and Salam Remy. I can't remember which one's actually on Elmatic, and I'm not going to look. Elmatic is ten tracks, or is it nine tracks? I think it's nine tracks. And in today's age where it's kind of been scaled back, but at one point, even five to six years ago, people were squeezing, rappers were squeezing every second they could out of that 180 minutes that fit in the CD. And now when limits don't even matter because everything's so digital, you see rappers scaling down to 16 album songs, 13 album songs, and things like that. Nas made a classic album in nine songs in 1994. He's the only rapper that's not Wu-affiliated, featured on Only Built for Cuban Links. Nas is so dope. And on some days, in a lot of the days I was making this list, Nas was my favorite, was number one. 
he was number one so hard. From the lyrics to the cre- creativity to longevity to the different songs to the collaborations to his features. There's very there's only I get excited when I hear Andre when I hear Andre come on the record unexpectedly. Same for Redman. Maybe Common. Um and I'd want to shout out Common for his Nobody Smiling album a few years ago. I meant to mention that. Uh that it came out Nobody Smiling and I've really dug that. Uh me and me and E really liked that album. Um Unexpected Tip was good. Ghost is always a favorite. Royce is always a favorite. Styles, Jada. And and that's about it. That when I hear their voice, my heart skips a beat. That's how much and to hear Nas come on a track. It's like the sun rising for me. Nas comes on, the sun rises. When Nas's voice fades, and I mean not so much on the album, but on a feature. When Nas's part finishes on a song, even if it wasn't the best 16 or whatever, the sun sets and it's over. But ultimately, and as much as my bias, I try to keep my bias out of this, hip-hop is about feelings. There's only one MC on this list. That fills my heart with such joy when I hear him come on the track. And that's Sean Corey Carter. Oh, of course you picked Jay-Z. You might as well just end the episode now. Jay-Z's terrible. No, he's not. Jay-Z just put out what may be in his top four albums of all time this summer. Not only did he cop to the rumors of cheating on Beyonce, and I had to backtrack all my Beyonce hate that I was displaying on this show before on Hyphenation for months on end because I was like, there's no way. It's bullcrap. She made this up. Not only did he confirm it, he, he admitted to being wrong. He gave us 10 songs. I don't, well, maybe, I don't remember how long that one is. And I'm not looking. But it, it feels like it's really short. I would say it's 10 songs. Of just him. It wasn't the bloat of Magna Carta, Holy Grail, or even Hard Knock Life, where he was barely featured. But a lot of people say, oh, Hard Knock Life is a great Jay Z album. I'm like, sure, when he's on it. Um, it wasn't him trying to catch lightning in a bottle again, like with Blueprint 2 and Blueprint 3. It wasn't a comeback album, like Kingdom Come was, and him regaining his footing and looking like Jordan on the Wizards. It wasn't, um, Volume 1 with its... Can I still be this clever? Can I still be this great MC I was on Reasonable Doubt, but still cross over into this jiggy era that everybody's into now? Can I do that? It wasn't that either. 
In 2017, Jay-Z made himself, put himself in contention for the best rapper alive title again. And Jay hadn't been in that conversation for many years. I love Jay and I'll defend him to the the death. But honestly, I, I couldn't put him over anybody else for a long time. American Gangster was great, but that was one year. And that was a moment. That was more of a concept album because it was built off of the screening he got of American Gangster when and what inspired the album. I hated Jay-Z at first. I was a nice guy. Like I said, I got I am and this is even before the beef. I was like, I don't, I don't like Jay-Z. I don't like him like that. He's alright. My neighbor Jimmy, and I may have told this before, but I don't care, bought me for my birthday, he, he came over for my birthday. Never did, never ever in our whole history of being neighbors did he go out of his way to make my birthday a big deal. But for some reason, my ninety-nine, my sixteenth birthday, he he wanted to hang out like we were friends. Uh, but he's like, "Yo, I, I want to come to your crib and we'll watch a movie and and everything. Just hang out for a while." And never ever in our friendship did he ever go out of his way to make it a point to come to the crib and hang out and he brought me American Pie on VHS to watch first time I ever saw that and he brought me and that was he was a rental guy I couldn't keep that and he brought me volume three the edited Walmart version but still and I listened to volume three and it took me a minute because I had heard the singles I heard do it again this before, I mean, this, this is like, the album came out this, December 31st, 99. My birthday was in January, so it was two, 2000. So it was my 17th birthday. And I started listening to the album. I was like, man, I really like this album. And there's people out there who say Volume 3 is trash. No, you're wrong, sir. You're wrong. Volume 3 is not trash. It's amazing. It's incredible, even. I love Volume 3. It made me the Jay-Z fan I am today. Volume 3, of course, led to me getting reasonable doubt from DJ Wise um, when he was being his normal self. Mr. Fury, who uh, substitute taught for Hampshire County sometimes, even though he's from Kaiser. Shout out to your whole family there. Uh, Wise, hope everything's well. You and your, you and your brethren. Uh, got three kids now. That's crazy. Um, he burned me a copy of Reasonable Doubt, and I was hooked. Like then, like I was hooked on Volume Three. I was addicted after Reasonable Doubt. I got the Dynasty album with some spare money that I had when I was staying with um, my sister Sabrina, summer two thousand. Soaked that in. Midwest is West is, um, Hot State, he, and I heard uh, H to Izzo by then. I think there may have been a video. He's like, yo, have you heard? I, I went home this week and I heard this song by Jay Z. Was called, it was called, uh, you don't know. And it was, it was so dude. He was so, he was saying this. He's like, I tell you the difference between me and them. I'm talking about them ones, trying to get them. And I was like, oh man, what? I'm like, and, and I was like, oh man, that sounds dope. Now I love Wes, but I thought Wes was embellishing a little bit. I'm like, that sounds super dope. But I mean, I, I really hope that he's he's not mistaking that he heard this thing. And then he came back with 
the bootleg. And the bootleg had never changed as a first track. And Ruler's Back and never changed his place in the disc order. And it wasn't until a couple years later I realized Never Changed was not how the blueprint started because I had a bootleg. You strip Jay down from all his success, all the outside endeavors, all the Rock Nation, Live Nation deals, traveling across. Uh, countries, the Water for Life documentary, uh, Beyonce, <sighs> take away Rockefeller, as much as that's a part of his lyrics, and you look at what Jay-Z is about. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and say Jay is the cell of hip-hop and for those you not know cell was a robot built by dr Zero and dragon ball z uh to ultimately kill goku um he had to absorb two other androids that was made um by dr Zero in order to reach full potential android 17 and 18 and then he was perfect cell he was ultimately destroyed by goku's son gohan but that's neither here or there and as i sit I forgot that for Christmas, if it wasn't last year, it was the year before. I think it was uh, last year. How many Christmases did we have here? We've had two Christmases here because we moved in in 20. No, we've only had one Christmas here. 2016. Um, but I may have gotten this in 2015. It doesn't matter. Matt got me a autograph picture, Jay-Z. Now, it says it's certified. It, it says it's his signature and everything. And it's literally Jay kneeling, of all things, in front of some money. It's from his Jonathan Mannion's uh, shot, uh, photo shoot that they did for Blueprint. And it signed Jay-Z across it. And I finally hung it up above this very desk where I'm doing this podcast. And you strip it all down... Even take away the fact he was a hustler, he didn't want to rap, he only wanted to be in it for so long. There's nobody that's more perfect on the microphone than Jay-Z. Jay can give you a story. Jay can go can spit fast like he he was when he came in the game. Jay can spit gangsta shit. Jay can tell you the most ballerous story ever. Jay can make you cry. Jay can make you laugh. Jay can make you sad. Jay can make you smile. Jay-Z is the ultimate MC. He's taken parts of everything. He came up under Jazzo and Big Daddy Kane. Shout out to Kane. Again, he just wasn't my era, man. Kane is dope, though. Whatever about Jazzo. If we're still beefing, Jay, you just let me know. If we stop beefing, then what up, Jazz? Um, Jay just gets it. He went toe-to-toe with Biggie on Brooklyn's Finest. Now, a lot of these positions, especially towards the end, like the rock and pop thing, and Big and, and Jay and 
um, where it was a lot of Eminem J because I was certain I was gonna be number one. Who could go? Who who on this list could outrap Jay Z? Andre. Un. Black Thought, I guess, and honorable mentions. Uh, many have tried on this list. Hell, Kendrick did the let him be on the Bitch Don't Kill My Vibe remix. And Jay, while Kendrick had the better verse, Jay Andre 3000 him. It was like Jay's verse is so important to that remix. And the way he floated on that joint. That there's no denying that Jay-Z was there. You can say Eminem murdered him on his own shit. But you go back and re-listen to the verses on Renegade and they're sick, man. Eminem is better, but Jay held his own. Jay went toe-to-toe with Big on Brooklyn's Finest in 1996. Like, it was a fir- one of the first times these dudes were meeting. Went toe-to-toe. It wasn't like, literally, let's go in the booth, go back and forth kind of deal. Because if I recall, Jay did his stuff, and then Big left. Um, or they left together. And then Big came back later by himself to do his parts, if I remember correctly. Um, and Jay held his own. Jay has never let Nas get him on the records they've done together. Uh, I still say they were even on success. I say that they were even on Black Republican because it was more like, let's just do this and get it over with. And I can't recall the, M- I want to say it was called MVP. I might be thinking about the wrong record on Ludacris's uh, Theater of the Mind album uh, where the two of them are together. And then on BBC, which is a big old mess from Magna Carta Holy Grail, um, they were both terrible together. <laughs> 3000 doesn't have solo chops though to prove that he can stand toe to toe with Jay as far as everything and that's why Jay's here and I hate to have bias ultimately decide this list and I appreciate y'all for riding with me for this because this has been a long process yeah, I now understand why Matt probably did not want to get into this. Because <laughs> this is a long-ass episode of Hyphenation, man. But, end of the day, under my head, somebody said, okay, not true. I was going to say, if somebody uh, held a gun in my head and say, if you say, ju- if, say Nas is the best rapper and blow your not head off, I'm going to say Nas. We're giving a little bit of leeway in that situation as long as they're not going to kill Angel or Lee or something devastating like that. I'm going to still say Jay. Nas is as perfect as an MC as possible. And I will probably have regrets some days while I'm listening to a Nas verse or just randomly that I didn't put Nas first, but When it comes down to it, hip-hop is about feelings. And there's nobody on this list in history hip-hop who makes me, who captivates me when they're rapping. 
like Sean Carter. And there you have it. The greatest NCs of all time. It's late. I started this episode at 8 o'clock in the morning, October 31st. And it's now 1.09 in the morning on November the 8th. I have to be up in four hours. But I have episode 39 done, and I wanted to get this done. Plus, I'm leaving town on Thursday, and I don't know what my internet situation is going to be looking at like for Thursday uh, until Saturday, uh, Sunday. And I, I didn't want to delay it any longer. So there's your greatest sentences of all time. Quick recap. 20 Method Man. 19 T.I. 18 Snoop Dogg. 17 Wayne. Uh, 16 Slick Rick. 15 Big Pun. 14 Q-Tip. 13 Prodigy. 12 Ice Cube. 11 Red Man. 10 Common. 9 Scarf. Number 9 is... Andre 3000, number 8 is KRS-One, and I may have messed it up in the actual um, show. I flip-flopped Andre and Scarface. KRS-One stayed at 8. Andre went to 9. Scarface went to 7. Rakim is 6. Tupac is 5. Big is 4. Eminem is 3. Nas is 2. And Jay-Z is 1. You've been listening to Hyphen Nation, world's greatest podcast, and I am your host, Kellen Conley. You can find the show on iTunes. Please leave a comment and rate the show. The more you do that, the more exposure the show gets. Plus, I just like to get feedback uh, from everybody and let me know how I'm doing here. Uh, Hyphenation is a part of the Hyphen Podcast Group, founded in 2017. Uh, you can also find Hyphenation on Stitcher, Google Play Music, Mixcloud, um, also on TuneIn, uh, the TuneIn app. Um, and wherever else great podcasts are sold. If you go to b-hyphen.com currently, because I'm kind of in the middle of moving some things. If you go to the Podcast Central link, um, you will see Hyphen Nation has a feed burner link. If you take that, that's an RSS feed, plug that into your favorite podcast listening device, and you'll have all 38 episodes of Fire! as I like to say, and I probably woke up everybody with that. Um, you can email me at b at gmail.com on Twitter, B-H-Y-P-H-E-N. On Facebook, it's now facebook.com slash hyphen universe. And if you're watching here on YouTube, like the video, subscribe. Um, all the hyphen nation, I'm sorry, hyphen podcast group content is located here, as well as my vlog, hyphen nation, M-B-A-L, a shout out to Kevin Smith, which is my boring ass life. Um, the, I love my life, don't get me wrong. I just like the title of my boring ass life. Um, anything else? Facebook, Twitter, email. Told you where you can find the show. Oh, and you can find Hyphenation and all the other great podcasts um, of the Hyphenation, of the Hyphen Podcast Group at hyphenpodcastgroup.wordpress.com. So guys, it's late. I delivered. Thank you for listening. As Aisha Tyler used to say on Girl and Guy, 
which is known on, on indefinite hiatus, sadly, but I love her show. You are Legion. I appreciate each and every one of you for listening. This is a great episode for you to bait me on, so fight me, at me, all those things. Um, I, I may bring up, like I brought up Marcus's point since there were so many days in between the actual videos of this. I will probably uh, respond in a later episode of Hyphenation. I have a very special guest um, for Hyphenation 39, but I'll let you find out when I drop that next week. Until next time, don't trust any dude named Hans. Make sure if you're going to kneel, you do it in front of a bunch of hundreds like Jay-Z's doing in this photo above my computer. Shout out to Aaliyah's little um, puppet theater here. Thanks for checking that out. <laughs> my mother-in-law made that. And until, uh, until next time we speak. Thanks, y'all.